Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that spent part of its weekend trying to teach Patton Oswalt the Ghostbusters finger point. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vink Maniac on the internet, and as ridiculous as that sounds, if you've seen Extraplasm's social media since Saturday, you likely know it's also entirely true. Uh, as you'll hear me talk about with our guest this week, I attended an event at Arsenal Comics and Games in Ventura County, California over the weekend, where Patton Oswald was a featured guest and signer, so I had a chance to meet him, to obtain some autographs uh, from him, to gift him some of the first ever Extraplasm stickers and pins that were made by friend of the podcast, J.D. Raymer, and yes, to take photos with him. And yes, to be clear, I actually did try to show him what the Ghostbusters finger point was because he was not familiar with it. And he absolutely 100% opted out of participating in the Ghostbusters finger point. He also is not our guest this week, but I'm to be fair, I didn't really ask him and I wasn't about to try and cajole him into spontaneously recording a podcast in the middle of a comic book store or out in my car uh, next to an In-N-Out burger in the parking lot. Uh, so who is our guest then if it's not Pat Oswald? Well, regular contributor Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys is rejoining the podcast this week for a fun conversation about virtually everything we've learned about Frozen Empire from Empire Magazine. Uh, including Patton Oswald's character name. We dug into all the tidbits that we could find uh, that have come out of the UK as empires reached newsstands, and we offer up some thoughts and insights about the movie that we're all eagerly awaiting and that we'll be watching in less than two months at this point. And of course, if you're going to have Tony on the show of, you know, Phantasm Toys, you've got to talk about toys too. So after, you know, we get through the discussion of the uh, findings from Empire. We also had a fun conversation and chat about the latest Phantasm Toys releases, such as the Viggy figures that you've got until Friday of this week to grab uh, some forthcoming Crypt Creepers companion ghosts that uh, Fan Phantasm Toys has coming, including one that's based off of Red Parka that you have to hear about, uh, as well as what we feel about the Hasbro release and sort of how the rollout of Hasbro toys in support of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire is going. Uh, so we'll turn to that discussion with Tony Taylor in a few moments, but I want to put a big fat rhetorical warning sticker on the episode before I go any further. Uh, and that's to say this, if you're the kind of person who listens to Extraplasm and tries to skip around the spoilers, be forewarned that this week's episode is essentially the most spoiler heavy one on Frozen Empire we've probably done, uh, because we're not going to get into anything that's been leaked, but we are going to talk about pretty much everything that was revealed in Empire Magazine. So if you've been steering clear of all of the stuff from Empire Magazine, the photos, the coverage of it, etc., then you may want to evaluate whether or not this is the episode of the podcast to listen to. Not because I don't want you to. I obviously want you to stick around and listen to the whole thing. But if I would feel bad if you jumped into this entire episode and you were a person trying to remain 100% spoiler free because you will walk out of this episode with a lot of discussion about things that Empire Magazine has revealed. That being said, uh, if you're somebody who wants to, uh, you know, listen to our thoughts about this and you already know about things from Empire because you've seen it, then 
by all means, come along, be involved. But there's a lot to unpack. Uh, so consider this your friendly piece of advice that if you're sticking around for the remainder of the episode, and I hope you will, there are potential spoilers ahead that you probably can't avoid while listening to the episode. But if you're on the other hand, you know, ready for hearing our takes on what Empire has shown us about the movie that's now less than 60 days away, we're going to jump right into that right after these Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. So to kick off Ghostbusters headlines this week, we're going to talk about a few Ghostbusters Frozen Empire items. And to be clear, I'm going to digest these pretty quickly, not because they're not important, but because there's an entire section of the podcast that follows headlines for about an hour uh, that is going to talk about these very same things with Tony Taylor. But I want to give you a quick rundown of things that have happened with respect to Frozen Empire or reveals that we found out since you last had a podcast. Uh, Since the podcast we had last, the issue of Empire Magazine has actually hit newsstands in the UK. Uh, I will tell you that if you're looking for it in the US, you may find that to be a challenge. I went to my local Barnes and Noble and uh, had an employee there tell me to come back in three to four days to see if they had it. When I came back in three to four days, what they had just stocked was this last month's uh, issue of Empire because the releases lagged here in the US. Uh, So you may not find this for a few more weeks in the United States unless you're having it imported from Uh, elsewhere or pre-ordered it somewhere, but uh, it is out in the UK. And I want to give a quick shout out here to Ghostbusters News uh, for giving a breakdown of the content of this issue that I don't yet have one to look at uh, physically, as well as the South End on Sea Ghostbusters who provided uh, some copies of articles and digital assets to Ghostbusters News so that Jason could do a breakdown. Uh, So the first thing we'll talk about in terms of new information or rather expanded information is that if you you know haven't seen this already and haven't figured it out from a cardboard standee or the fact that there is a toy uh, that has you know Slimer featured in it from Hasbro, then you know your big news here that's going to come out of Empire that's come out since in terms of photos is that we got our first reveal of Slimer in the movie, uh, not Slimer on a standee, not Slimer on a T-shirt or on another product, but Slimer actually in the movie. Uh, he's apparently sitting next to a ghost trap that has a whole bunch of uh, Cheetos laid around it like they're kind of trying to lure him to the trap and who what appears to be Trevor uh, holding a Neutrona wand is sort of standing just to the edge of the image. Uh, This is really awesome because not only are we getting Slimer back, which we already knew, it was awesome to see the way they're bringing him into the movie, which is essentially as Onion Head, the original Slimer ghost that we know from 1984. Uh, and so the, given his location on the floor in these scenes, it made me wonder whether or not they're doing some practical work on puppetry with the character, etc. But seeing him there is awesome. And this also gave us the first reveal of the attic of the firehouse uh, that we've seen. This is, a, you know, an environment in the firehouse that we've never seen in a Ghostbusters movie. But here it was in the images that are from Empire magazine. Uh, so this is definitely something that if you are have not seen already, you should totally go over to Ghostbusters News because Jason has all these images broken down in the individual stories uh, that he's taken from the overall coverage. But um, it turns out that Slimer is not going to be the only recurring character who's rejoining the Ghostbusters franchise after 40 years and of, you know, since the first movie. Walter Peck is back. William Atherton will be 
reprising his role as Walter Peck. The last time we saw him, Walter Peck was, of course, the EPA inspector who came and tried to shut down the Ghostbusters and cause the containment grid to be turned off, uh, leading to the explosion that rips through the entire firehouse and serves as a sign not only, you know, of harbinger of doom and things to come but a sign of going out of business uh, so uh, we don't know what walter peck's going to be doing in this movie if he's still affiliated with the epa if he has a different government job or potentially as a politician or a leader etc uh, but he's definitely in the movie and you can pretty much expect that if walter peck is in the movie you're going to see some sort of 40 years later rematch between him and peter venkman and that without question excites me Beyond what we're going to see in Frozen Empire, though, the interviews that uh, have been conducted with Empire Magazine tell us a bit about what might follow this movie as well. Gil Kennan told Empire Magazine, quote, Jason and I definitely have a sense of where the story could go from here, with Reitman adding in, I'm thrilled and ready to tell more stories. There's something lovely about being the caretaker for a franchise that's loved across the planet. I see Ukrainian soldiers with Ghostbusters badges. I can set foot anywhere on Earth, say, who are you going to call, and know exactly what the response will be. You'll never meet anyone who's like, Ghostbusters? Nope, not for me. Uh, he w goes on then, uh, sort, of, sort of piggyback on something that Ernie Hudson says in one of these articles. Ernie Hudson suggests that we've been focused on America, but there are ghosts all over the planet. I'd like to see us expand to other countries. And Jason Reitman Further teases, now we're back in the firehouse. There are infinite ghost stories that could be told, and not just in Manhattan, but all around the world. Um, now, this is a really interesting concept to me, is that we may come out of Frozen Empire with a much bigger world of ghosts, uh, other than these sort of individual happenings and individual cities that we've seen in New York City once or twice in Ghostbusters 1 and 2, and then in a place in Oklahoma, but that instead there's a notion of a much larger and broader picture of ghost busting that could go on out there. And the other thing I think is fascinating about this is that this is was literally um, was Paul Feig's answer to the question when I asked him uh, at his Q&A a few months ago uh, at the uh, at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. I explicitly asked him, you know, if you had your own opportunity to do your own version of five years later and make a Ghostbusters 2 and follow up to the answer the call movie, what do you think it would have been? And his response to that was, I think it would have gone international. Uh, and so I kind of find that kind of fascinating that there is a sort of uh, somewhere, you know, in the creative juices of Ghostbusters, there's a shared understanding that this is a franchise that can go international and have a far further reach. Uh, I'm excited to see what that could be about. And to be real, like there's so many different kinds of folklore and things in different countries and different uh, cultures that you could tap into for that, that you could tell an literally an infinite number of stories. Uh, you know, when, when Jason says that there are infinite ghost stories, he's not wrong. There's so many different approaches you could take to running with that. Uh, and so I'm sort of eager to see if that's also potentially a tease of what our animated series may look like, you know, after we get done with Frozen Empire. But Getting back to Frozen Empire itself before we get, you know, too excited about Ghostbusters on the whole and just forget about the movie we're all waiting for. It's less than two months away. The last piece of Frozen Empire news uh, that came out since we last had a podcast is that scoring is underway uh, with Dario Marianelli being served as uh, being named as composer and Gil Kennan posting Instagram photos of Marianelli and Peter Bernstein along with Bernstein's Yamaha synthesizer to his Instagram stories. Um, now, this is really important and cool because 
I worry, you know, whenever we have sort of changes in composers that we may get a really different sound to the movie. And I think that the music of Ghostbusters, its score in particular, is kind of what ties it together. You can even think about Ghostbusters 2 as like, you know, it's got a very different score from the first movie and they feel very different. And part of what made Afterlife feel so, you know, uh, almost like tied at a DNA level to the original Ghostbusters was the score. So seeing that, you know, you've got a new composer, which is fine, but that you're bringing back old talent like Peter Bernstein uh, to continue working on the franchise is something that I think is great. I think it is going to help to continue to build the bridge between the old and the new. And Marianelli is not uh, new to working with Gil Kennan. He's worked with him on A Boy Called Christmas and his other credits that he's worked on include Anna Karenina, uh, Pride and Prejudice, Darkest Hour, Bumblebee, Paddington 2, uh, and he has an Oscar and Golden Globe winning soundtrack for Atonement. So uh, he's not, you know, somebody who's new. He's somebody who has an understanding of what scores should be, who's been awarded for it and has worked with Gil Kennan before, which I always kind of think that when you look at the Ghostbusters folks who tend to try to work with each other repeatedly, uh, that tends to work out well. You know, it tends to be a situation where they Ghostbusters as a creative effort seems to be one where the folks in charge of making that effort say, let's go tap into folks we know and we have positive relationships with rather than experiment, but it works out to our benefit. So uh, we'll see what the music of this movie is going to be like. Uh, That's not something that came out of Empire, but rather something that Ghostbusters News reported on and let people know about uh, after Gil started publishing these Instagram story photos, uh, which I don't think you'll be able to find now on Instagram because they were in stories and likely expired, but you likely can find them over on Ghostbusters News. So um, that's kind of our quick rundown of the Frozen Empire news of the week. But again, what's following Ghostbusters headlines is a much longer <laughs> discussion of uh, these very little facts, as well as everything that I told you about last week. Uh, you know, I kind of look at it almost as, you know, a breakdown of everything we've discovered with you know, Tony. And so feel free to tune in for a much more depthful conversation about each of these news items you just heard about. In licensed Ghostbusters merch news, the big news of the week is an announcement from Trick or Treat Studios, uh, who have teased essentially all the products that they will likely be putting out over the next, say, six months or the next 12 months. Uh, the details on when these products are coming out and the pricing of these products is not really revealed yet. But what we do know at this point, uh, thanks to a preview provided on their website, is that they have a line of masks coming out. They have a uh, firehouse sign that's coming out. They've got keychains coming out and they've got uh, a series of air fresheners coming out. And so we'll break this down, uh, you know, sort of point by point. What they've revealed in terms of masks is that they have a mask of Slimer coming out, a mask of Stay Puffed, and quite frankly, the most realistic and creepy looking library ghost mask I think has ever been produced. Uh, This is something that looks like it came straight out of the movie and is really cool looking. Uh, Trick or Treat makes high end masks, and so it's not really clear what the pricing on this is going to be, but the way these masks look are really, from my standpoint, inspired deeply by the appearance of characters in the films. You can look at a lot of different Slimer masks out there, and they're pretty cartoony and goofy. You know, there's like masks where you can 
wear Slimer's head around your face so it looks like he's eating your face or something. This is not that. Uh, this is essentially, you know, putting Slimer on your face and walking around, and it looks really authentic, like really cool in terms of how it relates to the character from the movie. And again, the librarian ghost has like shock white hair and has the perfectly made jaw to sort of um, emulate that sort of detached sense of jaw that the librarian ghost has when she pops up and becomes, you know, creepy and spooky in the 1984 film. So these are really cool looking masks that I'm going to be excited to sort of pick up uh, and check out when they come out. But again, details on when they're coming is not quite yet available. Addition, in addition to the masks, uh, Trick or Treat has also previewed a 19 inch by 19 inch light up Ghostbusters firehouse sign. Uh, if you're keeping track and doing math, that's more than double the size of the Numbskull Designs firehouse sign that lights up. And it's about half the size of the sideshow collectible sign that measures 32 inches by 30 inches. Uh, you know, so 19 by 19 is pretty significant. You're talking more than a foot and a half in size in each direction. What's not clear, though, is if this is a double sided sign that's appropriate for hanging rather than a single sided wall display sign that's like designed for you to, you know, screw in somewhere and tack up. Uh, the product images only show one side of this image or, or rather this product. So it's not quite clear uh, what this is uh, other than a sign that lights up. If it's two sided and you can hang it, that's going to be pretty cool. If it's not and it's single sided, that will probably take a little bit of the uh, oomph, you know, out of the, I think the the passion to get this because there are likely other options out there that are double-sided and serve as a more authentic firehouse sign. But that being said, it looks pretty cool and I'm eager to check it out. And Trick or Treat, like I said, is going to have some smaller collectibles this year as well. On the one hand, there are two keychains that have been previewed thus far. One of them is a red mock-up of a promotional keychain for the Ghostbusters, kind of like something they would have handed out to co customers with their phone number on it, etc. Uh, the other is a mocked-up room key for the Sedgwick Hotel featuring slime accents. And the final thing that you'll be able to get that's going to be sort of of the smaller variety are there a selection of auto air fresheners. Uh, there will be three of these, one featuring Slimer, one featuring the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and one that essentially is the Ghostbusters logo. So more information will be shared about these, you know, by Extraplasm and I'm sure by Ghostbusters News as it becomes available. But in the meantime, if you want to check out all the images of these products and uh, see a little more detail about what you could be picking up this year from Trick or Treat, head over to GhostbustersNews.com to check it out. That's our only real item in uh, licensed merch news. I feel like that uh, seems antithetical because I've spent so much time in January talking about Hasbro toys and posting links for them. But it's been a pretty slow news week in terms of licensed merch news with Trick or Treat kind of uh, dumping out all this cool stuff they've got coming all at once, but not much else being announced right now. Uh, that being said, I'm sure we're going to see more licensed merchandise as we get closer to the release of the movie just two months away. But if you're looking for unlicensed merchandise, here's a few things to know about. Uh, as you're going to hear me and Tony talk about in a few minutes, uh, the Viggy and Viggy XL figures uh, from Phantasm Toys will have their pre-orders close on Friday at midnight. Uh, you don't want to miss out on this. I now have these figures in hand because Tony was good enough to send a set of them to me to check out. And they are freaking amazing. Uh, and I have to tell you that, that I'm going to talk about it in the episode later, but the Viggy XL figure has blown my mind because it's massive and huge. And I feel like I could carry it like a giant 
uh, Carpathian mace to, to harm people with if they mess with me. <laughs> like not the spray kind, but like the, you know, the big uh, medieval kind, because it's a big hulking thing um, that weighs several pounds in terms of uh, what it is. But these are really amazing. Having them in hand uh, really illustrates how detailed the sculpts on these are uh, versus trying to pick it up off the photos of some high gloss, you know, uh, glare prone plastic. Right. And so uh, if you haven't checked these out already, if you haven't gone over to PhantasmToys.com to check them out, check out the Viggy figures. It's your last opportunity to get them. And like, let's be real. Who else is going to sell you a floating demonic head? Um, only phantasm toys would do that. And if you buy the, uh, XL one, I'll just tell you point blank. It looks really great next to a bottle of crystal head. You can check my Instagram, go to Extraplasm's Instagram to go look at the photos, uh, for scale of what the figure looks like next to a bottle of crystal head. Cause I totally took that photo. Uh, if you're not looking to pick up figures right now, but you're looking for something for the forthcoming Valentine's day holiday, that's just a few weeks away. There is a Valentine spud candle that's been released by HorrorDecor.com. Uh, it's about 22 ounces of cake scented soy wax uh, that you can grab from them. It's supposed to burn for about 40 hours. It costs about 18 bucks. It is a candle that is in a holder that says you're my favorite little spud and has, of course, our favorite little green spud on the front of it. Uh, it's pretty cool, pretty interesting, and it's a unique gift. I mean, it's not pretty... Like, you know, at this point, it's not pretty common for you to find Ghostbusters Valentines out there anywhere. You'd have to buy like a selection of those vintage from eBay or something. So if you want to be able to give somebody a good Ghostbusters Valentine's Day themed gift, uh, check out the Valentine spud candle over at horrordecor.com. Uh, beyond those couple of little unlicensed merch things to know about, let's talk about video game news for a couple of moments. Uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed has an update, but it's not really an update that is going to provide you new content unless you want to pay for content that already is available. Now, some of you are like, what does that mean? Why would Ilphonic want to charge you for things that are already available? Uh, but given the number of onboarding and newcoming players who are joining the game, especially if you look at the Nintendo Switch and Steam platforms where, uh, you know, the game was changed to be being called the ecto edition and were released in the last you know few months there's a lot of new players who've come into the game who are having to grind out and figure out you know how to get all the things that everybody else had over a full year to unlock so for the cost of six dollars and 99 cents you're now able to unlock all of the cosmetics that are related not to ranks, not to anything that's like uh, gameplay altering, not for anything that shows tenure, but for things like the gear shells for the real Ghostbusters, the extreme Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters answer the call, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, some of the T-shirts and things, the different patches and logos that you can unlock as you play through the game. You can now unlock them all for $6.99. And based off the coverage that Ghostbusters News has on this, it sounds like that $6.99 is going to be an in perpetuity unlock, meaning that if there's a new future downloadable con uh, content that would create new research contracts in the game that you would have to complete to unlock those uh, cosmetics, they will just unlock for you uh, because you've already have an access pass to get all the cosmetics that are based off of contracts uh, in the game. So 
I have not yet messed around with this. And to be honest, I don't know that I will because I've already unlocked all the cosmetics. <laughs> I've played so much of this game over the last year uh, and four months that I don't need to unlock any additional uh, you know, cosmetics unless somebody were to put more out. Uh, but uh, if you're out there and you're playing Spirits Unleashed and you've taken advantage of this, I'd kind of be interested to know what it unlocked for you and what it didn't. Uh, but it is something that's out there for you. And I say this because I've encountered some people in the last few months who are just now getting on board with that because they were switch people who never had access to it otherwise, uh, or who just now, you know, after a year of it being out over the holiday break, they got it as a gift from somebody or they got a really cheap download code and said, I'm finally going to strap in and check this out. And one of the big challenges there is like if you just want to be able to put on the proton pack from the real Ghostbusters, there's a lot of stuff you got to do in order to unlock each of these things. So it's a good option out there for you if you uh, don't already have these different DLCs. And if you do, uh, it may not be something you need, but you can certainly help other people pass it on that they can spend the seven bucks and uh, figure out how to unlock more unlockables in the game. Uh, so pretty short headlights. <laughs> So pretty short headline segment this week. Uh, not that much going on in terms of merch and all these other things, but I feel like we're on the horizon of like, you know, uh, of a trailer. Like we probably are going to see a trailer by the end of this month, I would imagine, given that we are now literally less than two months away from Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. So uh, stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to have more headlines in the weeks to come. But for now, let's go to my conversation with Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys as we dig into uh, some of the things we found out from uh, Empire Magazine about Ghostbusters Frozen Empire in the last couple of weeks, as well as uh, our thoughts on the forthcoming Phantasm Toys releases and the ongoing rollout of Hasbro's Ghostbusters line. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast, back again as friend of the podcast, regular contributor, part-time co-host, <laughs> full-time toy maker and awesome person, Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Always love coming here, Jim. Thank you. I always love having you. That's why I'm like, I'm going to kind of give you that title, like part-time co-host. Like you're on enough that I'm like, I thought about this recently. But some, I was like, you know, is it good that the same people come on your podcast over and over again? I was like, well, yeah, they're your community. And then I thought about like this other podcast I listen to called Doug Loves Movies and which is great if anybody out there like loves movies and trivia. Doug Benson, uh, you know, stoner comedian and also movie fan, does this great podcast called Douglas Movies. He's been doing it for like ten years, and he has like the same panelists who come on all the time. But like they're the people who are of Douglas Movies. They are the people of that show. And I'm like, that's for for this show. Like that's definitely you. <laughs> You're a regular, is the point. Uh, is what I think what I'm trying to say. And at one point we talked about how we were going to get robes for the regulars. Yeah. I think you've probably racked up like enough to buy like if we had credits like there were points you got like little <laughs> tickets you redeemed for skee-ball machines like every time you come on extraplasm we just give you like a, a sub club card from subway and we punch it like you've got to have earned at least two full subs by now um, that's <laughs> you know or you can go trade in your tickets and go home with like a boom box as opposed to just spider rings <laughs> or chinese finger traps <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, leaving all of that randomness aside, Tony, welcome back to Extraplasm. It's nice to have you here. It's always fun to have you on board. It's always fun to be here. Love talking Ghostbusters. Love talking to you, Jim. Yeah. Um, I love talking to me too. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but 
I always enjoy talking to you about Ghostbuster stuff and toy stuff, and that's kind of going to be the plan, I think, for this episode is for us to chat, you know, a bit about what's been going on since we last talked. Uh, last episode you were on was actually a commentary track for a non-Ghostbusters oriented movie. Oh, yeah, Scrooged. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while since we've, like, caught up about what's been going on in uh, Ghostbusters films and toys and things. Like, we haven't actually been able to catch up and talk since the Hasbro releases have happened so there's an opportunity for us to kind of dig into that a little bit and of course like i think we'll spend a lot of this conversation i think unpacking a bit of what's been going on with empire magazine and whatnot like we don't have a trailer yet but there's like so much we suddenly know about frozen empire that it's kind of crazy (laughs) the the empire magazine article is like a trailer in and of itself with all the pictures and all the reveals and and everything's getting me even more excited for it so i'm let's talk about it yeah, I mean, I have to say, I was a little bit like it came out and I kept seeing images of things that like, people would send them to me and be like, look, Slimer's in the attic. And I was like, <laughs> oh, he is. And I, I don't know if I was ready to see that yet. And I had made this decision because, look, last time a movie came out, I was not running a podcast. So my mentality was I will be completely spoiler free to the extent that I can be like, I'm not going to try and find anything. It's not out there. If I run across things in a trailer, Mm -hmm. great. But like, I'm not going to know about things unless I see them officially. And now I run a ghostbusters podcast. That's, you know, a 67 episodes behind us. And, um, (laughs) it's been running for more than a year. And wouldn't, you know, like now I just get sent stuff. People like, Hey, did you see this happen yet? And I'm like, Nope, but now I have, which is like, it's fine. Like, I'm, I, it's like a, it's a risk you take on having a podcast and stuff. But at first, I really wasn't sure how I felt about this Empire Magazine article because, I mean, it's not an article. It's, it's literally a magazine full of a whole bunch of different articles with different people and different interviews and different segments. And I was like, they're telling us so much. And I was like, yeah, but only to the people who are actually going to go look for it. <laughs> like, that's the general <laughs> public still has no idea what's going on with this movie, right? But like, we do. And that's the crazy thing to me is that there's more information, I think, out now about this movie at this point in the like, timeline of production than there was for Afterlife by far. Yeah, I think Afterlife was kind of more, a lot, a lot more secrets they wanted to keep covered up. You know, yeah. With the, the whole Egon and the story of the Spangler family and all that stuff. So, but this movie, I think, it kind of feels like everybody involved with it is super excited for it and just can't wait to tell everybody and for everybody to see things. And they're trying to shove as much stuff out there for everybody to see, to get as excited as they are for it. And hopefully that means that there's just even that much more stuff to come that we don't even know about. Like just seeing just these past couple of photos and them showing Slimer in the attic and all that stuff is just, I can't believe that they would actually even show that. It's a real shock. Like, are you really, really, are we supposed to see this? Like, it almost feels wrong to look at it, but if they're putting it out there, I don't consider really that a spoiler. Like, this is, this is all part of the plan. This is coming from the source. Yeah. So I think it's cool to see it and to just ride the hype wave. I'm loving it. It was that image, like the image of Slimer in the attic with the trap. With the Cheetos. And the Cheetos, (laughs) which I'm just going to, I'm going, throwing this out there now. Those are flaming hot Cheetos, okay? I'm just saying it. <laughs> I hope so. Those are flaming hot Cheetos. They're not just regular Cheetos because flaming hot Cheetos are the thing that like everyone now thinks is the greatest thing that's ever been exi- like invented from Frito-Lay <laughs> uh, since the Cool Ranch Dorito. 
Weren't they proven to be like, like actually addictive, like nicotine? I don't know. <laughs> Potentially. I don't know. Um, I think you could start fires with them too, but I think that's true of most, uh, you know, fr- fried snack foods. But <laughs> I, I saw that image and the thing you just said of like, I feel like I'm not supposed to see this. Like, I thought it was a leak. Like someone yeah. said this to me and I was like, who's leaking this? And I was like, no, it's not leaked. It's from the magazine. But like, to me, I'm going to say this first. Like, I just got to say this before we get anything else about this. When I saw that image, I thought back to a moment I had many months ago where I said, I hope this entire movie takes place in the firehouse (laughs) and that since they left, Slimer has just been living there and he's been living off the scraps of the Starbucks downstairs, eating like the ends of cake pops and weird egg sandwiches and coffee grounds. And that my theory for what was wrong with the containment unit was that the coffee grounds have been poured into it that the kids who worked at the starbucks inside the firehouse thought that was some sort of weird garbage chute and just kept shoving like you know soup <laughs> <laughs> like sous vide egg wraps right and there he's in the <laughs> attic and i went i'm not far off i mean maybe the starbucks <laughs> was never there but he clearly is still in the firehouse um he had to been eating something because we know he eats even though he's a ghost <laughs> <laughs> he not so much eats as far as like filters the food Devours. just kind of slowly falls through him <laughs> he attempts to eat i mean he's, he's constantly <laughs> trying to fill himself he's on the chase for food all the time right but yeah that was a big reveal we've seen from empire so far is like we knew he was back right like we saw it on the like standee that we got a while back mm-hmm. of like hey he look he's on the, the side posters. of the standee and that was like your kind of tease that slimer was back and even then i was like Wow, I thought I would have saw that in a trailer first. Like that would have been a big trailer reveal that, whoa, Slimer's in this one. And then to see that image of him in Empire, on the one hand, I was like, oh, this moment is now like kind of spoiled for me. On the other hand, I was like, oh my God, it's really him. Like it's not like <laughs> it's not some other version of him. It's like the OG, like it's original Slimer, yep. gangster Slimer. Like we're not taught, and this is like no disrespect to the Ghostbusters two Slimer or you know to the Ghostbusters twenty sixteen Slimer that's more CGI than it is practical. Like this is literally Onion Head. <clears throat> this is him, and we haven't seen him since the first movie. And I'm so excited about it. Um, I want to know if his personality is gonna be the same. Are they going to make him real? They keep saying the movie's more real Ghostbusters-ish. And I'm like, so what kind of Slimer are we getting? Yeah, is he more crazy? Is he more pet-like? Is he more cutesy? Is he, is he just going to be begging for snacks like a little puppy dog? Or is he going to help him out? Is he going to be part of the team? Who knows? And why is he still there? Like, he was anchored previously to the Sedgwick, arguably, right? So, like, why is he now... Anchored to the firehouse, potentially, is a weird question to consider. It must be on his bus route. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy that, as for us fans, to see this photo, and you literally only see, like, a small little, in the corner, a cutout. You can see, like, the, the cutout for the window and the small little arch on the top of it and all of us immediately recognize that's the third floor of the firehouse and we've never (laughs) seen it from the inside or anything like that which is exciting that we're gonna be able to investigate and learn more about the firehouse in general but yeah this picture when i saw it it felt like it, it reminded me of seeing those like storybooks from the films where there's a bunch of pictures especially the ghostbusters 2 one just the way like the lights coming through it just the the picture itself feels vintage 
And the fact that it looks so much like the original onion head, it just reminds me of like a behind the scenes, like photo of the, the practical puppet on set, which this one is on the floor. So it's the perfect opportunity for there to be a hole and a puppeteer underneath of him doing him old school and practical. And I hope so much that they do that. And it looks like they are. So it's got me really excited. Yeah. I, um, I'm really stoked about him being involved, you know, as a character in the movie. I I hope he's not just there for like, Hey, he's there for like 90 seconds. Like as a cameo, they bust him. Like the next thing that happens is he just goes in that trap full of Cheetos and they're like, look, he's a sucker. And you're like, (laughs) no, he's got to be hard in the trap now. (laughs) I hope he's a little smarter. Like he's, he's a, he's a veteran to the ghost busting. Like he's on to the tricks. Like he knows what that trap does. He's, he's seen this stuff. He knows what's going on. So maybe he's a little wiser and a little more harder to catch. Yeah. But I will say this too. I remember uh, back when the trailer came out, Brendan was still here in the States and we watched the trailer together. And when he saw the, one of the first times we watched the trailer together, you see Trevor uh, using the proton pack. And Brendan said, I think I see a slight glimmer of, I'm not going to try to do an Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, mate. Uh, I think I see a little <laughs> bit of green. Like there's a green like flare, a little bit of green light there. He's busting Slimer. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. And well, it looks like he's <laughs> looks like he was 100 percent right. <laughs> like, well, shout out that. to Brendan. You know, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I was right that he was going to be at the firehouse to begin with. And Brendan's right about who's busting him and when. So uh, we just need to keep looking at all these images and then we can spoil the entire movie for ourselves by <laughs> just context clues alone and nothing else. Um, <laughs> but I, it's kind of funny that it, like it is such a, a just like a shocking image in a way that like punched me in the gut, like not in a bad way. Like I was really excited. It's probably the only thing I've seen from the marketing for this movie that has made me feel that way in the same nostalgic sense as afterlife did. Like, and that's not to say like that the rest of the marketing hasn't like, you know, been impressive to me, like that shot of the firehouse, you know, with the ice growing around it and the ice running Mm -hmm. towards it is gorgeous. And I think it's amazing. And this picture, like the, the photos we've seen so far, the stills are so indicative of like how beautiful this movie I think is going to look like cinematography wise. It's just, it's going to look amazing. But that, sort of nostalgic thing hasn't been there for me for the last, I, you know, I would say few different articles we've seen or like the trailer. Cause it's not supposed to, it's not like another, like as Jason Reitman put it in one of these empire articles, he said afterlife was kind of blowing the dust off of mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and kind of shaking the rust off of the franchise. And so there wasn't really necessarily something nostalgic to call back to other than the firehouse in this. And the firehouse is such a centerpiece to it that I don't necessarily go, oh, my God, the firehouse. Like, of course, it's the firehouse. It's Ghostbusters. But that that specifically that OG representation of Slimer from the first movie really made my inner child go the minute I saw it, you know, so (laughs) I'm excited. I'm really glad he's going to be in it. Um, Oh, yeah. How about you? What else has been impressive to you so far that we've seen from the Empire magazine stuff? Oh, I mean. Janine in the flight suit. I mean, how yeah. could you not? <laughs> yeah. It's just so amazing. The two covers with the, the OGs and Janine in her flight suit. They're just, I was so excited to see that. It just seems like every little bit, every little crumb that they're throwing out to us is just making me even more and more excited. 
like I've, I've said before, not knowing how to only wanting Ghostbusters three, Ghostbusters three for so long. And now we're moving on to the, the fourth installment into the franchise. Like, I don't know really what to hope for or how to react. But when I saw Janine in that flight suit, I was like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. I love <laughs> it. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. And like, she deserves it. And all the talk about the cartoon and this is totally real Ghostbusters inspired. And it's great. I am intrigued by the notion that she came onto the set having read a script where she did not put oh, on yeah. a flight suit. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she's talked about this in the interview that she has with Empire that it was kind of a thing they came up with on the spot. Like that Gil came to her and was like, we think it's time. And it makes me wonder like what one, like what was happening with the script given how close all of that was happening to the writer's strike? Like mm-hmm. what was the script they were dealing with that they were like, you know what? Let's just write Janine in as a ghostbuster now. <laughs> we can just do that um, right now. Um, and how that kind of changed the dynamic of the movie. I would be interested to sort of see like the pre uh, you know, pre-chained script to the post-chained script. Like what, was that yeah, story cool. difference, you know, but I'm totally excited about it. I think that it's really great that we're going to get to see Janine, uh, be part of busting ghosts as opposed to kind of just facilitating the busting of ghosts, if you will, <laughs> or taking care of Egon's electric bill in his house in o- Oklahoma or whatever it is that she was doing, uh, for him. But and I, I was never really clear on that. Like she knew exactly where he was in Oklahoma. She knew where all of his stuff was. So she clearly had been in contact with him like the whole time and said mm-hmm. that she was helping him manage things but was she in new york like was she paying his electric bill like via like the oklahoma power company's website (laughs) 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 just managing his bills because she's like i like him and he's a good guy but i'm not moving to oklahoma so um (laughs) (laughs) i am so stoked to see more of her like i want more of her backstory i have to admit like we didn't get enough afterlife of like what she had been up to so like we know Winston becomes a billionaire, right? We know Ray. Well, he's Ray. So he goes back to Ray's a cult. Um, and we know that Bill Murray goes off to become a professor of marketing, but like the Janine story just like doesn't get told in that movie. It's like, she has been helping Egon the end. So to have this opportunity to kind of bring her into the narrative more and find out a bit about what like Janine has been up to, and then to see how she connects to actually busting ghosts is exciting. I think that that's something we've been looking for and we missed out on. Oh, yeah. Always could use some more Janine. She seems like she's like the the toughest one of, of the bunch, too. She could definitely handle being a Ghostbuster. And I love how she said that they didn't even try to put a proton pack on her. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, which opens the door because she says that she has some sort of new Ghostbuster tech, tech. Yeah. That isn't a uh, a proton pack on her back. So it makes you wonder, what is Janine going to be armed with? I'm going first with magic lamp because it's like the real <laughs> Ghostbusters, right? Gil Kennan keeps saying it's like the real Ghostbusters. So clearly the reason that she is a Ghostbuster in this movie is that somewhere around like the second act, one of the things that gets brought in to raise a cult for for podcasts genie little lamp. like, you know, Instagram or <laughs> TikTok show he's doing is a genie's lamp possessed. Right? Yeah, repossessed. There's nothing we should talk about in a moment because I think that that concept is very fun. Like the idea <laughs> that very fun, <laughs> very fun. But um, 
and it's going to be, I think, afford us a lot of good dynamic between, say, you know, Logan Kim and Dan Aykroyd, which I'm so excited to see those two people in particular interact for some reason. I'm just like, I think they're going to have some good comedic energy. Uh, but thinking back to Janine for a moment, I'm not sure if you saw this, that Laura Summer actually had tweeted out <laughs> when they announced it. She was like, remember who wore it first? <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to reply back and be like, yeah, but to be fair, that was largely because of a genie. <laughs> <laughs> Your Janine actually worked with paranormal wishes in a negative way and almost jeopardized all of Ghostbusters, Laura Summer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we love Laura <laughs> Summer. She supported our, 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 fun, our Starlight fundraiser when we did that last year, and she was a huge help in doing little promos and things. And if you're not following Laura Summer and don't know that she's Janine from the real Ghostbusters, then you should be on uh, X and Instagram and stuff. But uh, I, I think it's great that we're going to get to sort of see all of the OGs who are left, like get to bust some ghosts, you know, and it, I think the one thing I would hope is like, we're not going to get it, but it would be amazing if Rick Moranis just like walked in. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, there's got to be something. There's got to be like a, a Lewis Tully accounting advertisement on a bus stop somewhere or something. <laughs> there's got to be. We got to give. No. Lewis Tully some love. I want to call back to Ghostbusters 2. I want them to be like in the midst of everything going wrong. They think they're going to lose. And then all of a sudden he just shows up in the last three <laughs> minutes of the movie. <laughs> with he just has on a proton again. pack and he's like, I'm here with you guys. <laughs> and he's got earmuffs on again. And Slimer's got him on the bus route. That's why yep, Slimer's in the movie. That's how he shows just, up. The bus pulls up, opens yep. up. Slimer's driving. Out comes yep. Lewis with his earmuffs. Saves yep. the day comes back out and he's like, I know it's been a while guys, but I'm still with you. And he saves the day. And that's how Rick Moranis returns to returns to filmmaking. Um, that's his, not just the return of Lewis Tully, but also the return of Rick Moranis to major blockbuster filmmaking. Come on. We got time. There's a few weeks left. Everybody you can do this in post. Uh, <laughs> there's still time. It's fine. It's okay. You can just keep editing things. It's okay. The visual effects people won't matter at all. They, they, they won't mind. They like not being able to ever go home. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I, I really do think it's going to be cool to see more of Annie Potts and more of Janine's dynamic. Because I will say that I think that felt like one of the things that was missing in Afterlife was that character who kind of, like, I think Lucky kind of serves as the character who grounds things a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But that sort of acerbic wit where the person grounds you in New York, but also is kind of like also fringe at the same time. <laughs> She's like, I'm very psychic. Like I, I, I want to see that Janine back and Annie Potts is wonderful. Oh yeah. But what do you think this piece of ghost busting tech is going to be from the little glimpse we've seen from the first trailer? It looks like something that straps to the arm around the wrist, you know, something lightweight. Yeah. I'm thinking with all the talk real Ghostbusters inspired, maybe it's something that kind of looks like the old Kenner Proton Pack that the guys you'd stick the arm through with the two bands and it had the squiggly. <laughs> I hope it's something that kind of looks like that. Like that's I the callback. I at all, but that's hilarious. <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head. It would be hysterical if she runs out into the middle of battle and she has this <laughs> giant a piece dangling plastic. piece of plastic just like swinging <laughs> in a circle, just spiraling over and over again. I'm just talking <laughs> as far as aesthetically, not so much practically. But I, I, I don't know. It could be... 
I don't, I have no idea. And I don't, I don't even think I could really even speculate, but I mean, we're, we've seen pictures of the, the research lab. Hopefully it's some new tech. Maybe, maybe it's like a, a wrist strapped PKE or something like that. Who knows? I think the Hellbent script that came out and was like available at Yale and that ended up being talked about in James Green Jr.'s book. I believe that script has this discussion of the proton packs kind of going by the wayside in favor of some sort of weird, like hand-based greaves that the Ghostbusters wear. Like they have like a suit that is almost like wired to like gloves or something that they can use to cast streams from. So I'm wondering if like that could potentially be a reutilized idea. I think there's also a comic book like that also does like wrist-based proton throwers. I think that was like the like the original concept from like Dan Eckard's like very yeah. first script for the first movie was like I think had, so like too. crystal think powered right. like wrist things and they had like magic wands that extended out of the the gloves that came out and they could control the ghosts and trap them in something. Yeah. I think it might be it probably a nice nod to that. It could be that. I will say that I kind of want it to be just like a big rock'em sock'em robot hand. Like it's just <laughs> like she's like cock knocker in uh Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. She's got a giant just ghost busting fist. And she's kind of like Fisto from Masters of the Universe. She just punches ghosts with this big proton charged fist. Uh and it's just the boson fist. That's what we're gonna call it. It's the boson glove. <laughs> it doesn't make boson darts. It makes boson punches and we get to watch Annie, uh, Annie Potts box ghosts. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that. <laughs> Look, if it's not in the movie again, you got a few weeks, you got some time ghost core. You can throw this together, figure out how to give me a, uh, the Ghostbusters get into fist fights with the ghosts move. Why not? I mean, after all the tech that was thrown into Ghostbusters 2016's like finale scene, where it's like here's 12 different weapons that are all just Boltzmann <laughs> uses them all let's have Janine get into a fist fight with a ghost I'd pay for it <laughs> anything else that you're thinking about so far like Empire Magazine has touched on that you're kind of either amazed by surprised by excited by they have revealed a lot like surprisingly a lot I loved that shot with the slime blower in the research lab and James yeah. Acaster and, and everybody standing around him and they're looking at at that golden orb, which I'm assuming is is the MacGuffin, which I actually saw when they did that um, holiday Yule log with Slimer. Yes. There was a red ball that yep. was drawn, animated on there, and it had way too much detail compared to everything else that was yep. going on. And there were a bunch <laughs> of other little Easter eggs going on, but I'm like, that's something. There's no way. It's got way too much detail. That's something. And it looks like I was onto something there, but... Yeah, just the whole shot with the slime blower and all the crazy tech stuff hanging. And if you kind of look, you can see like diagrams and schematics for proton packs. And you can tell that they're working on those and all that stuff. That that picture got me really excited too. Just just the thought of all kinds of new tech and like gave me some big James Bond Q vibes. Like showing off all these new weapons and gadgets and stuff. And yeah. There's going to be a, a proton pack that's hidden in a watch and <laughs> all that good stuff. But literally everything that Empire has teased out has, has been super cool and very exciting and surprising in, in the best yeah. ways. So about that image, right? The image you're talking about is the one of James Acaster 
uh, that also told us a bit about what his name is, right? He's Lars mm-hmm. Pinfield in this movie. Pinfield, yeah. Um, and that Great same name. article told us a bit about who Patton Oswald and who um, yeah. and Johnny are playing. Character names. Fun fact. I got to meet Pat Oswald this past weekend. Um, Very fun fact. Shop. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. It was cool. We got a whole bunch of autographs. Shout out to a friend of the podcast, J.D. Raymer, who was with me for that and who came along and tagged along. And then we went and had a nice lunch and some good beers and things. And then he actually brought his Ghostbusters VR to my house so that way I could try it because I still hadn't played it. Oh, uh, nice. So I can now check that off my list. I've tried that. I was yelled at by lots of little kids while misunderstanding how to do things. <laughs> I now understand VR. But leaving that aside, Pat Oswald <laughs> couldn't remember what his character's name was when we had him sign. Did you have to remind him? Yeah. <laughs> and JD awesome. was like, can you put your character's name on this? And he was like, what was my character's name? And I looked at him and I was like, your character's name was Dr. Hubert Wartsky and you spell it W-A-R-T-Z-K-I and I read Empire Magazine. <laughs> It was like, he must have thought we were so creepy and cringy because we showed up knowing more about his character and what his role in the movie is than he remembered in the moment. Or at least maybe he was just like, (laughs) I don't know if I can say that because of my NDA, so I'll just pretend. Um, But (laughs) so we told him. And then, of course, Kumail Nanjiani's playing Nadim Razmadi. And that golden object that is in the research lab photo that Empire put out is obviously going to be pretty important. Like the Funko pop for race stance comes with that. So this is a pretty clear, like plot device, whatever it is, it's going to be in the movie. It's the MacGuffin. Yeah. I think that this research lab concept is very cool. I don't understand why it is that this image hasn't sent everybody into a tizzy about flight suits, black flight suits specifically, as much as they have about red jackets, <laughs> because like here are two ghostbusters in straight up black flight suits with alternate logos. And I don't see anybody going as nuts about this as they are like, look, the Ghostbusters got winter coats. Everybody's staring at the slime blower going off in the background. That's why. (laughs) That's the funny part. I've had more messages about the slime blower in the background than the black flight suits. And I'm like, yeah, but you've seen a slime blower before, right? Like, that's not. (laughs) Why are you so excited about this thing? (laughs) I think part of it is we haven't seen the full black flight suit. Like, you're only kind of catching glimpses and like the waist up so you can't really 100% tell that is that's a full black head to toe black flight suit like i think Maybe. that's probably part of it cuz i didn't even really think of it to be honest until you started talking <laughs> about it. i'm like oh that's right yeah <laughs> but mine was because i was literally too busy staring at this line blower going off in the background and if you've suddenly decided that you're like wow there are black flight suits and how do i get one here's your plug gb fans Dot com. Um, they have had black flight suits in stock AJ's for quite been some ready. time. AJ's, AJ's been ready. ready. Yeah, AJ's <laughs> been ready. Uh, there's been black flight suits in stock over at GB fans for quite some time if you've been paying attention. Uh, and so I think that this is amazing, this image, because it kind of teases a few different things about the movie. Obviously, the slime blower thing is fun and cool. And like, I kind of want to know if that slime is positively charged negatively charged what are they doing with that slime is it you know uh, is it happy slime is it sad slime are they testing out a new product is it a new ghost busting agent is it just shampoo that they're trying to make sure you start off your day feeling good who knows uh but i like this image because i think it teases a lot about what this movie is going to involve which is like this plot around this object that i think and kind of coming back to that discussion of the repossessed thing the repossessed t-shirt we first saw i think on a funko pop is it the Ray Funko Pop that has mm-hmm. the t-shirt, yeah, it's right? The, it's the it's the Ray Stans Funko Pop. 
Yep. So repossessed as I understand it now from the Empire magazines is apparently going to be like podcasts web show. Like he's going to move from podcasting an audio basis to doing this sort of web-based antiques roadshow style show where people bring paranormal things to raise a cult and he's le- like leasing out the basement in order to film there and do <laughs> things. And Ray is his partner in this. And so immediately upon seeing, like knowing that context and understanding that repossessed was not a music band or something else in the universe, but rather this web show they are going to be making together. I have to imagine at this point that Kumail Nanjiani's like role in the movie is that he is the guy who collects things. Like you see him at different points in the movie with like sneakers or rather in the trailer with sneakers and these images, he has this, they're in a room with him where he's like in socks and Crocs, like clearly inside his own house or something. And there's all these golden objects that match the same color on the walls. And so I think that like, he must come to them and be like, I've got this thing and I'm going to have it on your show. And it kind of starts this thing where they have to go investigate his apartment further or something, you know, and I'm kind of excited about that concept that like, I've been trying to think like who are he and who are Patton Oswald. And I'm not trying to be like, maybe Patton's not important in the movie, but like if he didn't remember what his character's name was when we met him, (laughs) like how big is his role, you know? So I kind of think this kind of tips us off a little bit like that. This is a bit maybe potentially about, an object that gets brought to raise a cult that they Mm -hmm. evaluate and that they see a lot of things that are goofy and stupid. And a lot of what they see is actually debunking things that are not paranormal. And then in walks this thing, which sets off a PKE meter off the scale or something, you know? And I think that would be a really cool concept. Oh yeah, definitely. Something new, something fresh possessed artifact hasn't been, hasn't been done in live action. I'm sure there's at least a handful of real Ghostbuster episodes that kind of are along the same line. So feeding into that real Ghostbusters inspired uh, movie is, is definitely something that I think they're doing here with the possessed bowling ball. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a possessed gold bowling ball. You're right. I hope that joke is in the movie somewhere. Like there's gotta be a, a Venkman <laughs> moment where he's like, what's the matter? You can't go bowling tonight or something. Just <laughs> some Kingpin reference. Come on. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> but I like this idea that like there, yeah, it's an Instagram series they're running. Right. So it's like, they basically are running like an Instagram live show or something <laughs> uh, to get people. And I see it as like potentially a way that they're like, how do we get more business to raise a cult? We'll do this live show. And we'll get that for people will come in and it'll, you know, be an adventure to come and check out the show and see all these haunted things. It's like Pawn Stars meets Antique Roadshow meets Raise a Cult. Meets Dan <laughs> like, Aykroyd. Yes. Like, <laughs> which, you know, he's explained that he may be disgruntled in this movie, like Ray Stance, because he's no longer insured and no longer licensed as a Ghostbuster and is kind of on the outside. But I got to be honest, if I could see Dan Aykroyd, like instead like run like a, a live show like that i would almost kind of want to see that more than i want to see Ray <laughs> he's he's been hinting at ray being beat up and old and haggard for all for years uh, since he's yeah. been talking about another ghostbuster film coming out every every time he had a chance he would always talk about how run down ray is and he's got an eye patch and a cane and <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting he's probably getting a little bit of that in this movie but the fact of that we're going to get more of a, a Ray stands podcast combo for this movie is 
the little bit that we got in Afterlife was was great, and just like the couple of lines they had just made you want even more. And yes, the fact that they've uh, they're, they're I don't want to say smart enough, but realize the chemistry that the t- those two had and how fun it could be, and taking yeah. advantage of that for this movie is great. I mean, Logan Kim is without question in Afterlife is one of the best things about that movie. Like mm-hmm. when I watch that movie, I'm like, this kid's comedy timing is great. And his enthusiasm is phenomenal. Like I still say this, my favorite scene in that entire movie, you can leave the Gozer stuff, the Ecto-1 stuff. My favorite scene in that movie is without question when he and Phoebe make a friendship. Like the, the, <laughs> the earnestness in both his and McKenna Grace's performance. scene. Yes. Like I still don't have one. I still can't find one. I did recently find another one of those stupid things. I think it was the rarity uh, pony and not rainbow dash found it off on, I believe offer up in Washington. Uh, but I was not going to buy it cause it was not the right one. But like, I've wanted that stupid, my little pony jump drive, not just because I'm like, Oh, he's a podcast. His name is podcast and his podcast on it. And I have a podcast, which is totally one reason. But like to me, that is a prop used in the ghostbuster scene that to me is as emotional to me as my favorite scene in the entire franchise. Which do you know what my favorite scene in the entire franchise is? In the entire franchise? Yeah. No, I don't think I do. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. <laughs> As a person that who's worked a really in a lot of colleges, scene. I love that scene. Right? That is like my I that is a scene that to me represents so much of what Ghostbusters is about, is like, we're gonna throw this together. Where are we gonna get the capital? And I've joked about this over the years that like that's kind of how the entire ethos of Ghostbusters is. It's like, well, what are we doing? We're putting together a fan fest. We've got, we've got the schedule yet? No, it'll be out tomorrow. <laughs> we're figuring it out. But like in many ways, the ethos of Ghostbusters is like, I don't know, we're figuring it out, but we're really excited and enthusiastic and it's going to work out. And even like, you know, Afterlife coming out, there were plans and then those plans were just turned upside down. And so things had yeah. to be kind of done differently by the seat of everybody's pants in a completely different world. And so the ethos to me of Ghostbusters is so much like tied up in, that scene of like, you know, maybe we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. <laughs> and so <laughs> that to me is like two people who have a friendship, who are like a really strong bond, who are making a committed moment to like do something together. And it's kind of the same thing that you watch happen with Logan and Phoebe, where it's like, hey, do you want to be my lab partner? Well, I don't know if we're going to have labs, but I'll still hang out with you. You know, it's the kind of like, <laughs> I love that scene. So I want to see more of like the Logan, Kim, dynamic with everybody else i think he does such a great job you know like even even the scene where they're in the car in afterlife when um you know they get pulled over and (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh my god what do we do and logan kim is just i say we fight (laughs) (laughs) clearly the wrong thing to do but just his delivery of the line is so wonderful um so i'm so stoked about seeing him and dan Aykroyd together like as a sort of duo you know and they've kind of said that Ray is going to serve as a mentor to podcasts. I kind of feel like podcast might end up being a mentor to Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Showing him the ways of the internet. Yeah. Like, I don't, I I mean, I think he has a lot to teach him about. I think they have a lot to teach each other is the point, right? Like, I think that, you know, Ray has a lot to teach podcasts about paranormal stuff. And as an expert who can weigh in on the show, but in terms of interacting with the contemporary internet and world, I have to imagine that, you know, if Ray has still been hanging out with the coven, (laughs) (laughs) he might need to make some new friends uh, 
outside the internet, you know, or, or rather over the internet in some way. So I think that's going to be a really fun thing to check out. And I'm, think is a really fun element of the entire story. Like they gave podcasts to me a logical reason, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Why he's in New York. Yeah. He's, he's got a mentor. He's got race dance, a ghostbuster, an occult book owner, like everything that he's ever wanted, like in a person can follow to New York. (laughs) It's one subscriber. (laughs) His one subscriber, right? Like, but it but it does it like kind of i think that's been a, this conversation that i've had with a lot of people in the run-up to this movie is like okay you can understand why the spanglers would end up at the firehouse but what's the justified reason for why this kid whose parents we never met who's just like the latchkey child of this whose town name we don't even know <laughs> yeah whose actual <laughs> legal name we don't even know um you know like what's the rationale for why he's going to be in new york city in the middle of summer you know and I think it's cool that they gave a rationale for like what this kid would be doing there. Like, yeah, he's doing an Instagram show and getting mentored by somebody and his parents have maybe signed off on it. You know, maybe he's getting school credit. I don't know, but <laughs> it's kind of cool. I would love for there just to be a, a series, just raise a cult and it's just Ray and podcast yeah. and raise a cult and just doing the, the repossessed show basically. Yeah. Just do that. Just have yeah. people come in with possessed artifacts and just the two of them you riff know, off each other and back and forth talk about this and that. I would love it's it. It's not a bad idea at all. Like when you get down to how Doctor Who gets promoted, um, <laughs> do you ever notice, are you a Doctor Who fan? My sister's a big Doctor Who fan, yeah. So anytime they have like a reveal of like Doctor Who coming, right? Like they're like, oh, the new season's coming. They do these webisodes that will be, they, you don't have to have watched them at all. But if you do watch them, they give you some sort of background context or explanation of things that like fills in the gaps in the story a little bit. And like, I don't see why you couldn't do the same thing with objects being brought in to raise a cult. Like it's probably too late to do this now. It's okay, Ghost Corps. You still got some time. It's only the 22nd. The movie's only like literally (laughs) two months away as of today. It's fine. (laughs) It's only two months away as of today. And February is only a short month. It's fine. Throw together a couple webisodes. Yeah. But like to me, that would have been a fun thing to do sort of as a a marketing, uh, you know, lead up to the movie would have been to have them like do one a week, you know, for like, four weeks or something where they bring in different objects that are haunted and paranormal. And then on the fifth week or something, be like, got this golden object. In. Yes. And then just boom, we can go into the movie. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, it's okay. Ghost core. You got time. I promise Eric, if you're listening, I don't think you are at all, but um, <laughs> you never know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be really fun to watch the dynamic between the two of them. And I'm also interested to see like who that brings into raise a cult. Like raise a cult, if you think about it realistically, is an environment that you've only ever seen the Ghostbusters in. You never saw the one Ray. guy with sunglasses came in. Yeah, he was like there for like <laughs> literally like less than thirty seconds. He bought something and left or whatever, right? Like he just he was there and then he was gone. We've never really seen Ray interact with the clientele other than answering the phone. So I'm kind of interested <laughs> to see like what is the clientele of raise a cult and does it change like does podcast showing up and having a bunch of young people start showing up around raise a cult uh change what's going on there you know all the goth kids come out and hang out and stuff right like <laughs> bunch of kids kid vaping you know. out front 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's a bunch of kids. Va- but if it was 20 years ago, they would have been kids smoking clove cigarettes. But now they're <laughs> they're uh, vaping clove flavored vapes uh, that they had to buy illegally because all the vapes that are flavored are outlawed. Um, <laughs> and it's New York City. <laughs> they can't afford to buy cigarettes. It's like $20 a pack there. Uh, that's why there's no more smoking in the Ghostbusters movies. They couldn't afford it in the budget. Uh, but <laughs> I'm also like stoked that I was concerned. Like, and this is something that came out after the Empire stuff. I was a little worried about a change in like composer because that last score really, I mean, hammers home and brings a lot of the OG original mm-hmm. Ghostbusters score to the front. And so I was like, I'm not really sure what we're going to get for this because it's a change in composer, but. I, they just like revealed Gil Kennan had on his Instagram uh, yesterday. He had like photos of the composition sequencing going on, like the post-production uh, audio looping and syncing and things. And so they had yeah. the orchestra in doing performances and what have you. And they actually revealed in those photos that Peter Bernstein is back. He's there not writing, but he's, and he's not like, you know, like composing like his father would have. But he's back uh, with the old Yamaha synthesizers to bring the authentic sound of Ghostbusters back. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, we're going to get a new composer. We had one on the last one, but there was a lot of callbacks to the Bernstein stuff. Mm -hmm. And to see that, like, Peter Bernstein is coming back uh, to sort of work with the new composer on this, Dario Marianelli, um, makes me very excited. Uh, It also makes me wonder if his name is Dario or Dario, because it's like Mario or Mario. But so if I mispronounced it, I'm sorry. (laughs) But... (laughs) It's a me, a Dario. Yeah. <laughs> like I want new score, but I also I, I want, want new score too. Yeah. Uh, with a little bit of callbacks. I, in my personal opinion, I think maybe afterlife maybe lean too hard into the original score. And there, cause I like the, the, the stuff that's purely original to it. Like there's the dirt farm that they have. It's kind of like Egon's theme, Egon's ghost yeah. theme. I, I really like that. The I mean, I do chase. love is original yeah. yeah i do love the the original score it's one of my favorites i'll listen to it like i have it on vinyl and i'll just throw that on and just my wife will yell at me why don't you just watch the movie but <laughs> but it's good to have on in the background but get some new stuff that fits in with the yeah. original would be great maybe even some callbacks to the the ghostbuster 2 score and and all that fun stuff maybe Sprinkle that into this one since technically this one is the sequel to Afterlife. Use some of the some of the yeah, stuff from cool. the sequel to the original in this one would make sense. But yeah, that, overall I think it's gonna be great, especially with with uh Peter back. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I mean I think that you need new music, but I also think you need specific musical cues. Yeah. Right? Like I think that like there's specific cues that are helpful for like selling like, I, I don't know, I guess this is a weird way to put it, but like, I'm okay with getting the same synthesizer sounds as I encounter Slimer in the attic for the first time as we might have mm-hmm. in the hallway, right? I like those kinds of little musical connections. We don't need it overused. I think you're right, like that there's points where Afterlife does lean heavy on it, mm-hmm. but I also don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does. It certainly does, but it did its job from my standpoint that like, it helped you to feel like you were connected back to that first story and that first movie, Yeah, you know, like, and that piano theme, like of, Oh yeah. Like I love that. They even got the original piano back for that. Yeah. 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 And it's all a little bit out of tune and a little bit wonky. (laughs) 
sounds so much fun. And that's also the music behind my favorite scene. Like that's what's literally playing in the background behind it's the track on the score is called lab partners. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Like we're going to get Peter Bernstein back to add that in. One thing we haven't talked about so far that pretty big reveal that's kind of came late in this discussion of empire content and because they kind of had the magazine coming out and they did a series of different articles kind of teasing what was in the magazine over a series of weeks and then mm-hmm. or rather a series of days and ghostbusters news reported on each of these um some of us knew this just because we could have seen it and leaked things a while ago but walter peck is back yeah and that's all they really said though isn't it this that walter um, peck is going to be back they didn't really reveal anything anything yeah. much more than that which I'm fine with. That, yeah, I don't know that we know exactly what it is that he's doing um, <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> but I have to imagine that he has moved on from working for the EPA uh, and is probably... I have a prediction. Oh, what's your prediction? I predict he's mayor. That That's he will possible. Be the, mayor, the mayor of New York City. It's possible. I don't know how successful a politician Walter Peck would be. That's the thing I wonder, <laughs> but I think it's entirely possible he could be the mayor. I also wonder what is his connection going to be to the Ghostbusters if he is the mayor? Is he going to be a mayor who wants to work with them, or is he going to be a mayor who's adversarial to the Ghostbusters? You know, like what is his relationship with them post the 1984 cross trip? You don't find out in Ghostbusters too. You know they no. went to court a lot. But the last the last time you see Walter Peck, he's getting gallons of marshmallow goo splashed on him and he's screaming obscenities into the air. And that's the last we ever see of him. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, nobody knows what he's been up to for 40 years. And so. And so that makes me wonder, like, yeah, I think he'd make a good mayor, though, a good adversary for him. Yeah, but that's what I wonder, like, will if he is the mayor, right, like. Like, just let's throw that hypothetical out there. Grant, I don't know what he is. He could, for all I know, be the Total chief guess. of fucking police. Um, like, <laughs> I don't know. He's a hot he dog could be Mayor vendor. McCheese, and he'd be working for <laughs> McDonald's. I don't, but, like, the point is that if he's the mayor, whatever he is in the movie, is he a foil to the Ghostbusters in he the same way he was before? To be. He would have to be. Well, think about, like, how, like, um, the video game, not to be like the video game's canon. We're not doing that today for anybody who just they're, they're <laughs> began bristling. I swear I'm not doing the video game as canon today. I'm done with that bit for now. Uh, but like the video game sets up Walter Peck's role as sort of the overseer of Peacock, doesn't it? Like, yes. And so like his job is to essentially not to serve as a direct foil to the ghostbusters in the sense that he's going to prosecute them but that he actually has to oversee them in some capacity yeah he's like their boss yeah yeah like i don't know if he's i don't know if he's their boss so much as like he's their liaison with the city yeah. and like yeah determines what does or doesn't get funded or what does and doesn't get paid for or like what the city's going to do or not do to facilitate things and then of course like you know there's things that happen in that game that mean that he's not really himself for a bit like i think right so but like <laughs> but like the point is that the, the dynamic that's set up there is one where he's not directly their enemy as much as he's like i don't know i'm gonna make a really dated reference he's like danny devito in taxi like <laughs> a really dated reference by the way for anybody who's never seen taxi 
It's a great show. Uh, but like, you know, I mean, he's like a middle manager in some sense in that game. And so I wonder, like, even as a middle manager, like his power and ability as a foil is limited. He has to enable the Ghostbusters and work with them, even though character dynamics might be different between them. They have to sort of collaborate to get things done. And so in the original Ghostbusters, he's got one agenda by the end of that movie, and it is to have these men arrested. And that's about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. so what is the goal, you know, of Walter Peck in this narrative? Is he, does he work with them? Does he work against them? Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. But it's awesome that they, they even revealed that. I'm actually surprised they revealed that. I, I really am. Maybe it was being aware of certain leaks that came out which they had to have been so they're like this is probably cool because most people probably already know this and it's another thing that's gonna possibly put some some more butts in some seats at the theater knowing that dickless is back but i mean they didn't reveal what he is what he's gonna do no other details and just basically a, a confirmation that yes we will see walter peck again which i'm happy with yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see him there. I'm kind of interested to see what the dynamic's going to be. I guess what I'm saying is, like, I want to see some progression in these characters. Like, Vankman and Walter Peck are two men who have known each other since 1984. They've known each other 40 years. They may not have been friends. They may not have, may not have gone to each other's houses. But they've definitely had to be in each other's faces over 40 years. Right. And so mm-hmm. if he just kind of comes back into the movie, like I haven't seen the Ghostbusters in 35 years and now I hate them again, it's going to be like, <laughs> okay, that's kind of weird. So like, what is the backstory going to be of like the dynamic between them? You know, how long did the lawsuits with the city go on and was he involved in them? Did he get to keep his job with the EPA after he claimed that all of this paranormal stuff was noxious chemicals and all sorts of nonsense. And then it turned out actually 112 and a half foot tall marshmallow man stomped on churches while he was wrong. You know, so I want to know what happened to him. I get, I have the same feeling about him as I do Janine, right? It's like the sort of unknown questions about where they've been that I want answered in this movie that I'm excited about. So, um, trying to think anything else we didn't cover about what's been revealed in empire that you want to talk about. Uh, they revealed mini puffs are back. Yeah. Which is cool. There was another cool picture of the mini puff. I think it was, yeah, it was the empire. And I think there's a jar of like blue slime in front of the mini puff. Did you see that picture? You know I don't know that I saw to? that picture. It's a picture of, uh, McKenna Grace. And there's a, like a scared mini puffed in front of her. It looks like she's reaching oh, yeah. for it. She's there's about like to reach M&M for it or something in it. front of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a jar of blue slime in front of her in the, yes. in the foreground. There is. It's like a, a weird, like dark bluish grayish yeah. looking slime that's in a jar. And yet yeah, it totally does look like she's just going to grab that thing. She's just like <laughs> yank, which I didn't know you could do, but I played that Ghostbusters VR and in that mini puff mayhem thing. All oh, the, yeah. all the How mini puffs that? are floating around you. And like you have to grab them out of the air and put them into a slingshot and fire them at a much larger <laughs> stay puff. That sounds cool. Um, yeah, I sucked at it. I was not very good at it at all. <laughs> you have to hit the stay puffed in the eyes and I hit him in the nose, hit him in the mouth, hit him everywhere but the eyes. But um, yeah, not very good at it. 
but it was kind of, it was interesting to me because I was like, oh, look, you can just grab mini puffs with your hands. I didn't I don't know why I thought that was so <laughs> exciting. I'm like, I have figures like that, but I think it's going to be a really cool movie. I mean, we've all been waiting for it, obviously, for as long as we have. But the images we've gotten teased from Empire and some of the interview comments have really made me excited about this story. I was worried that I had seen too much, but it's really just left me wanting more. You know, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I want to know how this all sure. fits together. Yeah, with as much as they revealed, I think with every reveal spawns like three or four questions. Yeah. No, like this is a definitive thing here. There's no real plot points. There's no this. Uh, It's not really spoiling. It's only no worse than a trailer, in my opinion, the stuff that came out of Empire. But yeah, with every little picture, it's like three or four more questions pop up in my head. Right. So it's not really spoiling anything for me. It's just getting me more excited and. I love it. I think the challenge is that like when a magazine came out, say 15, 20 years ago, right? If there was a big magazine spread like this, it would be something that was in print and the people who went to go get it. Yes, of course. Print is dead. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, it's not really though, because it's where a lot of everybody's seeing this (laughs) is in print. (laughs) We're talking about a a physical print magazine right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think that the big difference here, say between now and like say 25 years ago, or even 20 years ago, is that the print magazine content would have ended up in a print magazine. That's where you would have seen it, right? But now, even like most of the people who've read this article or these series of articles have done so on an Apple device, right? Because <laughs> like they used Apple News and they had a, got a subscription to Empire or whatever, because yeah, the physical print magazine will be on newsstands, but it isn't right now unless you are in the UK. Right. And maybe you've got it there. But like I went to a Barnes and Noble here and the kid behind like there next to the magazines was unboxing 40 boxes of magazines that were coming in for the next month. And I said, do you guys have Empire? And he goes, probably in here somewhere. But I'd come back in two to three days. <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's like, he's like, we we usually have we don't have one on the shelf now. So it's probably in this box. But like come back in two to three days, maybe I might be done uh, putting all this stuff out by then. And I was like, got it. Because everything is digital, it means that it's also easy to screenshot. It's easy to like snip and copy and paste and share so much easier than when things were just in print, you know? And so it's like a print magazine. Then if you wanted to share that article, you're going to have to go scan it (laughs) to a Xerox (laughs) copies. Now it's like, oh, I just have to swipe to take screenshots of the pictures that are in the article and then I can do whatever with them. And like shout out to Craig Goldberg of the Yes Have Some podcast who totally did that with the image of Patton and Phoebe and uh, you know or rather Doctor Hubert Wartsky and Phoebe and podcast and Ray Stans all around a table which I could then take to Walgreens have them print as an eight by ten and then have Patton sign it right but like that to me is kind of indicative of how the print magazine format merging with digital means that anything that they put into the print magazine became something that could suddenly go viral. Does that make sense? Like, Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so it's like, whereas it might've been limited if you were a subscriber, once it's out, it's like the internet's just going to drive those images out into social media. And I think that's where some of the frustration for some people comes from. Cause it's like the people who want to be spoiler free 
are running into every one of us who are like, <laughs> did you see the article? Yeah. Did you see? Janine's in a flight suit on the cover of this magazine. And oh my God, she's also in this live action photo and she's like totally freaking out. And also she has blue glasses now. <laughs> and it I mean, it's fun. It's fun to have that hype, but I can totally get like how, we have this sense that, like, wow, we've seen a lot. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, so it's made me wonder this, like, what could possibly be in the next trailer that would tell us something we don't already know? And I, I'm like, maybe we don't get anything we don't already know, and that's okay. We just get to see this stuff in visual, you know, in moving format, and go like, hey, this is what Slimer looks like when he moves, come see the movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and that kind of leads me to... Like of all the stuff that's been released and all the interviews and quotes, my favorite quote out of everything from all the interviews and this Empire stuff was Gil Keenan. And I think he said something along the lines of, I don't think people realize how big this movie is actually going to be. Yeah. That, that quote right there, I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're showing all this and you're saying it's even bigger and just thinking they're back in New York and all the possibilities and, just the, just the little stuff we've seen. And then for him to say something like he, they don't realize how big this movie is going to be. Well, is. I think about this from the standpoint that just the cast size alone is the oh, yeah. biggest cast of Ghostbusters you've ever seen. It needed like two covers. It needed yeah. two covers for a magazine to show yeah. everybody. <laughs> I mean, if you get down to like you have your your three remaining folks right from the OGs, you got Ray, you have Winston, you have Peter, then you add in Janine. So now Janine. you have four OGs. You have the four kids from the last movie. So now you're at eight, right? Because mm -hmm. there's like all four kids, then add in Callie and Gruberson. So that's mm -hmm. another two. So now you're at six more. So now you're at six and four is 10 Ghostbusters, right? Then add in James Acaster, who you know is a Ghostbuster, who's 11 Ghostbusters in this movie, right? And then we don't know what the other folks are doing, but like we know we have this cast of William Atherton's in this movie. We know that Kumail Nanjiani's in this movie. We know that. Pat Oswald's in this movie. And the one person we haven't talked about at all, the one person who we know is in this movie, but we have seen nothing out of Empire and potentially could be the one thing you see in the trailer is where is Emily Allen Lind? Hmm. I think she's the big bad. I mean, that's my thought. Like that at this mm -hmm. point, we haven't don't know who Emily Allen Lind plays because Emily Allen Lind plays the big bad. And the thing we're going to get in the trailer is hearing that voice for the first time like we're going to see this we've seen this big bad ghost now in various ways we've seen it in a trailer we've seen it in these images we've seen it as a fun co-pop um <laughs> like but <laughs> like we haven't heard what this ghost sounds like we haven't heard any speaking we don't know like that's the big thing that's left and so i kind of wonder if like that'll be the thing in the trailer reveal is like the big bad will speak you know and that'll be yeah. like oh snap you know but or maybe a slightly better better look at her it, yeah it whatever it, it whatever is. it is yeah <laughs> but i thought that um originally people had suggested to me that emily allen lind at the point that it was uh spilled that uh walter peck was gonna potentially show up in this movie someone suggested to me that she was gonna be walter peck's daughter and i was like okay but like what's the okay. dynamic there like what would that <laughs> what would that be you know um why, why would we care about Seems Walter a Peck's daughter? Seems unnecessary, but... 
I was like, does she is at this Walter Peck's daughter join the Ghostbusters? And he's like, no, you can't. <laughs> no daughter of mine. Family. That's right. No daughter of mine will be a Ghostbuster. <laughs> as long but, as you live under my roof. <laughs> that's all his role is in the movie. He's just an angry dad. He's not a mayor. He's not a senator. He's not a, a police chief. Um, but I mean, to be fair, I'm still trying to think like, what is his career path from EPA guy? I what, just, you know, if if they're gonna bother bringing back William Atherton and give, I just want him to have a role more than just just something more than a cameo. Just as yeah. long as it you know makes sense and it's something that isn't just hey look there he is. He's you in know. the movie for yeah. forty five seconds, and what happens is he's walking down the street, and a school bus drives by him, and some kid <laughs> sticks his head out the window and just says, "Hey, Dickless," and that's the whole thing. That's the that whole reason. Poor he's guy, in the movie. he's lived through that. Yes, Um, but I I really think it's going to be a really cool movie. But what you just said about this being a big movie, I think is a hundred percent true. Like that, this is yeah. Even though it was shot in a smaller place, if you think about it, it's like they went and shot a lot of this movie on a soundstage in a smaller environment. I think the scope, size, and impact of this movie is going to be massive. And what it's really going to do is like. Look, if Ghostbusters has been running for three years, like if this movie takes place three years after the last one is kind of the pitch, we know that like the the, the comic book and the movie both take place three years after Ghostbusters, ha- like Afterlife took place three years later. Th- so that means that like you now have a billionaire funded business that's been up and running like for several years that's going to be doing things in a totally different way than the old school. Ghostbusters would have at a financial and business sense level. Those were guys who were taking out, you know, three mortgages in order to figure out how to get started with a business. And instead, like Winston is basically in a position to be like, what do you need? <laughs> I go from cool. We can using buy the last of the petty cash on Chinese food to having Tony Stark funding there and having an, <laughs> and having an on-demand Chinese buffet upstairs. Like that's, that's what they have. They have the video games back and then they just have like a running Chinese buffet and the wonton soup has lots of wontons in it. Let me assure you. But, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of funny to think about it that way, but the Ghostbusters we've known has always been a Ghostbusters run as a shoestring operation that didn't have a lot of money. And so this is now a situation where as opposed to being drummed out of Columbia and not having resources, Suddenly the Ghostbusters have, I mean, tons of resources and that has to change the way Ghostbusting is done in so many ways, you know? So yeah, it'll be fun to change it up. We've seen them start the business or bring it back so many times. It'll be fun to just, just be Ghostbusting. Just go. Yeah. What do you need? We got it. And all this new tech and crazy stuff that we've always seen. And again, in the animated series, see it in, in live action. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's the best part of the animated series is it didn't have to ask questions like, how will the Ghostbusters afford this? <laughs> <laughs> it just told stories and was fun. So maybe I'm overthinking, you know, uh, some of the financial aspects of what happens with the Ghostbusters in this movie, but I'm excited about it. Uh, the other thing I'm excited about, we should talk about for a bit because you're here and you mm-hmm. uniquely have things to say on this topic. You should mm-hmm. talk about toys right, for a few minutes. Oh, okay. One sure, thing I definitely, <laughs> I mean, are you, are you cool with that? You're like, no. Oh yeah, of course. 
toys are work now. I don't talk about them unless I'm getting paid. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> all we get day in, day out of this place. <laughs> um, first things first, before we talk about Hasbro toys, I'm going to do a kitchen counter review of these when I get done with this podcast, like probably tomorrow. But um, you sent along Viggy, which I've been talking yes. about Viggy for several weeks and telling people like <laughs> buy a floating head because who doesn't need a floating head for their Ghostbusters collection? <laughs> Everybody does. You sent over both scales of your Viggy figure, which was amazing. And like, you totally didn't have to do. And I felt like overwhelmed. You were watching me open this stuff and I'm like, why do you send me so much? That was stuff? fun. Cool. I don't get to um, see that part. I know so it was you fun to watch me open the stuff. <laughs> uh, we did that before we started filming the pod or t- taping the podcast. And I have to say, like, I, I always talk about how much I love your stuff. I think you and Brendan do amazing work. But like this Viggy figure is like one of the funniest things I think that you've made. I just I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> it but. is pretty comical if you really think about it. <laughs> you can't help but laugh. It's, it's like in the but movie that's a good for thing. like like a couple frames. Like here's the floating head. But I had to explain it to my partner because the box came and the box like showed up and she's like, "What's in there?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a head." She's like, "Why? What?" She's like, "Why do you have a head in a box?" I was like Tony sent it, and then she went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> that, that makes it okay okay all right <laughs> so she's seen the very different things that you know i received from you and she's like what is that and i'm like oh it's a slimy ghost in a box i will take that as a but, very high compliment no you should um i really think that you knocked it out of the park with this i think it's hard to like see how much detail is in the sculpt for this because it's all one color when you look at it on photos you know what i mean yeah like, it's it's hard to photograph with the color we chose and and it's trying glossy. to find the, like, yeah. it's, cause it looks slimy and shiny. And so it's hard to like see the detail in the photos, but I'm totally amazed. I'm like, this looks like the damn thing, uh, you know, that <laughs> is very mean and grimacing and looking down at everybody in that movie. And I love the bumps on his head for like the protruding horns that are coming out of his head that haven't popped yeah. yet. And then you were nice enough to give me a prototype, um, of one of your XL things, which when you started putting the XL one out, I was like, all right, so he's doing like the one that's going to go with the five inch or the six inch action figures. And he says the other one goes with the eight inch action figures or whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. Like this is like other XL ones. And then you sent me this thing and it's like, I could kill somebody with this. (laughs) (laughs) This weighs like, I think like two pounds. (laughs) It's it's a big head. It's a huge melon. That's what we should have called it. The huge melon version. But it's just such a fun sculpt and there's so much detail that's actually in it and it just makes a great display piece that we have the 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 capabilities and means to you know make things at kind of whatever size we want so you know we can throw around different scales and stuff but it just it just shows off all the details and and his and his uh the horns and his forehead and his teeth and the hair and it's yeah. all in there and you can really appreciate it in a larger scale and it's it, it's a cool display piece in and of itself just the no, floating it really is. vigo head <laughs> it really is like it's it's something that i w- wondered how it was going to display like the larger one without the altar and then like i opened it up before we started recording and i'm looking at it and i'm like oh i wouldn't want the altar for this like this needs to be like <laughs> like i told you i want to put a light inside of it and be like i want it to just float in my office and <laughs> glow in the dark and the distance and be creepy um, but yeah, no, it's so cool. I really think it's amazing. And thank you for sending these over because they're phenomenal. And for those of you who, uh, are, are listening right now and going, what is this thing you're talking about? 
head over to the Extraplasm YouTube channel where I will have a kitchen counter review of the uh, Viggy figures. You have a couple days left to grab these. Uh, Tony, when's the cutoff to grab the Viggy figures from you all? PhantasmToys.com. Uh, this, well, when this episode comes out, uh, this coming Friday, uh, which is January the 26th, that'll be the last day. So midnight of January 26th, Friday, it's the last day to get yourself a, a Viggy, whether it's our class 10 that we try to make scale with five and six inch figures and the exile, which technically we really don't scale to things. It's just kind of right. like as big as we can make it. <laughs> kind of it's like how big can we make this you know and feasibly no, do not, it and... like i think you're fair in saying that <laughs> i opened the box and i was like oh my god like this doesn't even fit in my hand like this is something you could <laughs> like you could this is like a bocce ball but it's a head um <laughs> i think it's Ego really cool. deserves some love i mean ghostbusters 2 has been probably my favorite movie of all time for as long as i can remember it's one of my one of my best memories is being well, what I've been being about six years old and not really being too aware. A huge fan of Ghostbusters already and a fan of the cartoon and had seen the first one multiple, multiple times, but not really being totally aware that a sequel was coming out, I think, in yeah. my little kid brain and my dad taking me to the movie theater. And we're seeing Ghostbusters 2. Like, my mind was blown. It was one of the greatest experiences of my entire life. And I particularly remember it, too, because it was, like, one of the first times ever as a child. I remember going into a place and then being daytime. And after the movies where we came out, and it was nighttime. I was like, how long was the movie? Oh, my God. It must have been. <laughs> but it, it just it has a special place in my heart and always will. And Vigo, I think. He hasn't gotten his, he's gotten a few representations and toy forms and collectibles and stuff, but nothing like his, his true form in my, in my opinion is sure. the, the floating head. Cause just before his head died, he had a prophecy and all that good <laughs> stuff. So yeah, we, we wanted to give the sequel some love and Vigo in particular, Vigi. he's been yeah. a bad monkey. But. I look, the one thing I'll say is that every toy producer, and this is something that you can think about for the future in case you ever decide you're going to do like a, a five and a half or a six inch tall take Always on the Carpathian is that what he needs as a pack and accessory is a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> now we've, we've, we've kicked around a Carpathian kitten idea a couple of times. That's, I would love that. I don't, I think I've told this story on this podcast before, but. Um, I think it's so funny. The LA Ghostbusters have like a life-size Vigo that they bring out to their booth. Nice. But he has a stick-on kitten so that like people can <laughs> put, pin the kitten pin on the, the kitten Vigo. on the Carpathian. Right. Yeah. That's but it's awesome. like, so he doesn't have to suffer from, from Carpathian kitten loss. Their <laughs> Vigo has a companion kitten who can be stuck on or taken off of their painting. And I think it's amazing. It's like one of my favorite goofy things that at their is booth amazing. is the uh the carpathian kitten at their booth but beyond what you've been up to is there anything else you want to tease that you have coming up people should keep an eye out for that your next releases beyond viggy well we have all kinds of ideas and the fact is there's just so much ghostbuster stuff that deserves some sort of toy form or collectible form or something that we just haven't really got i want to know if the future holds Figures like 
Fright features roller granny. <laughs> said, that would be you know, cool. You said there's so many things in Ghostbusters that deserve, you know, to get their their day in the oh, sun, so yeah. to speak. Right. So for me, I'm like, I, I know that's another character that has all of like 90 seconds in Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> probably but, more than the Vigo we made. <laughs> the, the, the Vigo's head, right. Like, <laughs> probably Daniel Kennedy spent more time roller, uh, roller skating and uh, delivering nope uh, than <laughs> <laughs> we saw from Vigo's head. But I do, I'm like, I'm not even kidding. I kind of wish that when they did the Fright Features figures, they did like a Spinner's playset, and that she was like the pack-in <laughs> you know, a uh, figure that went with it. It's just her and her roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. So is that on the list? Can we put that on the list for you? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, Brandon, no, if you're listening, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. I mean, we have so many ideas, but right, right now we got a couple. We would like to bring back some of the, uh, well, not bring back, but it's been a little bit since we've done an official mini ghost release with our crypt creeper line and we've been sitting on some for a little while working on other things in the background but uh we have a uh, well three different ones that we got coming up and inspired by all different uh spots in the franchise but there's three separate uh mini ghosts that we'll have ready and available for pre-order coming up really soon i think uh we just kind of finalize colors and sizing and brendan's been real busy but we're going to be working on the packaging real soon for him but uh i'd say within the next couple of weeks we'll be ready to officially announce them but since we're here we got a couple we're going to sell in a two-pack we're going to have inspired by the terror dogs we have our own little take on it nice uh they're going to be sold in a two-pack and we're going to call them Vinny and Zuli. <laughs> very kenner inspired they're going to be uh a bright blue coming to two pack are those the ones that were inspired to go alongside your gozer inspired figure the destructor yes no these are completely new these are completely different sculpts that is still in the works we're still looking to make sure that it's such a cool design and we're such big fans of that that we want to make sure that when it comes out we can do it the right way gotcha so we're still looking into different uh, forms of manufacturing and stuff that either we can do or we have done outside to make sure those that were terror dogs in the style of like real Ghostbusters was kind yeah, of the goal for that. It's actually right? seen yeah. in the cartoon, right? Uh, very, very briefly. Briefly, yeah, yeah. But there, there is actual terror dog representation in the cartoon. So when we do that, we want to make sure that when we do it, we can do it right. So we're gotcha. It's so still these cooking. Are little guys, <laughs> little yeah. Little, these are like the mini puppies. ghosts. Yeah, companion ghost sized, but they're really cool. Uh, a little more detailed, a little more. You can totally tell they're inspired by. Actually, uh, when I was sculpting them, what really gave me the idea was the old packaging art from from the uh, the Maddie Collector. Oh, the gotcha. The two terror dogs. Yeah, and kind of like a sitting more gargoyle looking. Yeah, pose yeah. On all the packaging, that's what really inspired these. You should call them the paranormal pupsters. Yeah, <laughs> tire pups. <laughs> then we'll have another one that's uh, inspired by the recent video game, uh, Spirits Unleashed. Inspired by, what's his name, Winky? The one with all the eyeballs? I saw this figure. You showed this figure to me when you were like doing renders of it originally. And now like yeah. you showed me the ones that you have uh, as like your prototypes. 
And listen, I'm going to just say this. If you're a Spirits Unleashed fan and you are listening to this podcast, you will need to buy this figure because like <laughs> it is like straight from the game looks amazing. And I, I'm like, will you please do all of the other ghosts too? <laughs> We'd love to. They got some really, really cool designs in that game. But this guy, uh, we're going to do him in like a bright pink and he's going to be coming out of Tobin Spirit Guide. And the, the book itself acts as a stand for him. He's floating out of it and we're going to make yeah. that glow in the dark. So it's going to be our, awesome. our first, our first, uh, I don't know, I guess he's the first two colored creeper that we're doing really multi-part, gotcha. but he's really cool. I love it's it. It's very cool. Uh, I, I have to say like, I wish that there was, uh, more love for the ghosts of spirits unleashed because they're arguably the best part of the game the physics, the character designs, everything about him is so cool. And you've really nailed this. Like that sculpt is phenomenal. Uh, given, especially that it's like, you didn't take like assets you were given by anybody. No, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brendan Brendan knocked that one out of the park. Yeah. We've, we've had that one ready for a while and we're, we're excited to get it out into the world. I'm still, and then, uh, last but not least, we have a, a ghost that'll help keep you warm, I guess it'd say. <laughs> Something that everybody's been super excited about. Of course, we mentioned it on the podcast, but it's a red parka. We're calling him the parka geist. <laughs> so you're, you're so, putting out a haunted red parka companion ghost, right? Correct. Like, yeah. <laughs> if people don't buy this, I'm going to be so upset um, because, like, obviously, I think you'll sell them because everybody's buying red parkas. But to me, like, this is the funniest companion ghost that you could possibly own <laughs> after watching how everybody has interacted with red parkas. Um, yeah, I, I love this thing. It looks like, um, if it's not a pot, you know, it's not a visual medium, but like you've got this ghost that has arms outstretched to the sky that are basically like empty sleeves. And then the parka itself has like a demonic mouth and stuff. I'm just like, this thing is great. I want to put this with all of my little fright features figures that I just got from afterlife or rather from frozen empire. So it's going to be cool. (laughs) I had a lot of fun sculpting that. And I tried to give it as many details that the actual coats have that we've seen so far, as far as like the fobs and the hooks and stuff that are on the, on the chest and the pockets and all that good stuff. And then the mouth was when I was sculpting it, I didn't really just kind of had like, more folds and wrinkles to give the impression of a mouth, but it yeah. kind of felt a little lack, like it really didn't read right. And I was trying to figure out a way to keep it Kenner style and fun and, and add some more fierceness to it and trying out different kinds of teeth. But what really got me was I went over and looked at my Kenner collection and I looked at mail fraud and the way yeah. the, the mailman, he breaks open at the waist and has those teeth. And I'm like, that's it. And I, yep. I sculpted it and tried to really recreate kind of the teeth and the way that looks for the, the mouth. So as you were showing makes it to a me, lot of sense, I was like, what, <laughs> like that looks a lot like a canner figure mouth, you know, like the sort of the like demon mouth that you get in something. And I couldn't pin what it was. And the minute you said mail fraud, I'm like, oh yep. yes, that's that what, makes that's total what sense. Was. I, I did one with, I, I had actually, uh, uh, printed it as a prototype just to get a real look at it. Cause I wasn't sure. And it looks like. Looks like uh, Mater from Cars, the Pixar movie with the teeth. 
I gave him, I tried to give him like Slimer kind of, you know, big humanoid teeth and it just, it looked really goofy. I was like, I'm going to have to rethink this. And that's no, when I came up with the is? nail for Look, you put the two, you put the two of those in a pack together and one of them is supposed to be like the official coat. And the other one is like a coat that you could buy on like Wish. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to call it the, but this guy we're going to call the Parka Geist. And they're, they're all cool colors and they fit Parka right in. Geists. Yeah. They, they fit right in with the Kenner stuff and the, and the new Hasbro, uh, the Fright Features line. And, yeah. But they're just cool. It's like a continuation of the Companion Ghosts from back in the day. Some of my favorite parts of the figures, so. It's fun. It's a fun line for us, and we have a lot of fun doing it. It's awesome. I'm so excited about those. Um, they're really great, and I, I love the, the companion ghost. I mean, that's really where you got started with so many things, and that's when I saw yeah, you that's what's, moved that's to all the more started. articulated stuff. I was totally happy, but I love that you're not letting those little mini ghosts go by the wayside at the same time. You know, like those articulated pieces, are, I think, are a lot more complicated and require a lot more research for you guys. And these can be a little more like, hey, here's an impulsive, fun idea that we can just yeah. do. Have yeah. more fun with it, not be so serious. And, yeah. yeah, but not to be <laughs> said. Like I still want all of the most complicated things that you can design. Uh, I expect <laughs> moving parts. We're working on it. I want electronics in all these figures now. They should shoot smoke. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of the Hasbro figures, since we've brought them up, uh, can we talk about those for a couple minutes? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. So we haven't really checked in since the Hasbro line dropped. Um, we haven't really had an opportunity to talk at least on the podcast about it. You and I have talked about things in passing a little bit one-on-one. Um, what's your feeling so far on the Hasbro toy releases? Like, how do you feel about what's been released so far? And are you excited about it? Like, do you think there's more work to be done there? What do you think? I'm excited for what's come out so far. I mean, it feels like, I hope we get more because it just feels like this is going to be a really special movie from the stuff we've been talking about and the trailers and everything that we've seen so far. And it just feels like it's not going to get a huge representation as far as merchandise and toys go. And it's kind of really, really sad. Yeah. But from what they've shown so far, and I mean, it's still early. The movie isn't even out yet. So sure. who knows what's going to happen? But I just, I like what's been done so far. I just hope there's more. I really like the, what are they called again? The, the minifigures, the mini puffs and the slimers. The Ecto the, collection? Ecto, yeah, those. And the way they come in the little containment unit, which I have yet to find anywhere. I've been searching targets. Oh, really? And I, I, yeah, I haven't found anything. You know, they're I available th- for shipping now, too. You can just get yeah, them shipped. Yeah, I've, every, I've got everything that you can get pre ordered. I got all that. I haven't found anything in store yet. I did oh, I mean, find. Target has them online for shipping in stock. You don't even have to. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you can just go to the Target website and be like, I want 10 of these. And they'll be like, okay, well, we'll put them in a box. I've got uh, two full cases pre-ordered, too. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about those. Everyone who's selling full cases, everyone who's selling full cases has disclosed that those cases are random packed. And yeah. then I heard like rumors that people were getting full cases of those at the Target and it had every figure in it. But I'm going to be 100% transparent disclosure sickness over here for everybody for a second. Um, I have completed my Ecto collection set and I posted about completing it, but I've also been uh, hunting them for our friend Jason Fitzsimmons at Ghostbusters news, because we don't know what the Canadian release is going to be for those figures and whether or not they're going to Canada. Nobody's clarified that. 
And so I was like, I will look for them for Jason. And I collected all of them except for figure L uh, in the second set that I needed. So I have been hunting for figure L. So I was like, I got an idea. I'll go to target.com. And rather than hunting for these in the store, I'll just go and drive up. I'll buy a whole bunch of them. I'll drive up, pick them up. Won't have to ask anybody (laughs) if they're in the back or anything because they'll have to get them out of the back. I'll just drive up and get them. And I ordered, I am disgusting, 13 of them for pickup because Target will only (laughs) let you pick 10 as a maximum. I did an order of six and an order of seven. And let me tell you, out of 13, I did not get L, but I got four B's. I got four B (laughs) figures out of 13 figures. So if there's any question in your mind about whether or not those are randomly packed. Yeah. Um, cause I did not find L and I now have to do a walk of shame back into a target and be like, hi, I have 13 (laughs) items to return. They're gonna be like, why? And I'm like, cause I'm fucking stupid is why. Um, I should have just came in the store and looked as opposed to playing games. And I'm sorry, everyone, but like, that's a real thing is like, if you're looking for these figures, I have encountered that you can't find them on the shelves, but they are necessarily in the back and you have to try and convince somebody to go get them. Well, my hack, my workaround is order them for pickup because then somebody has to go get them from the back. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. But but that's your thing you're, you're into so far, the Ecto collections, even though you haven't found them. Yeah, I really like those. I don't know. I I liked the everything except for the marshmallow mess they came in. I liked the mini puff surprises from the last batch. I think they were yeah. really cool. I I mean I really liked the the cardboard display box that they came in. I think was really cool. <laughs> I have it on display here, so I'm I'm looking forward to putting little containment unit displays next to it. So that was really cool. I'm I I love to see that the the fright features line kind of continued, although they weren't they don't technically call them freight features because they've also re-released the classic kenner freight features well, to to they avoid. are called freight features they, they are still <laughs> i don't called know what that. to exactly call them but it's weird because it doesn't say freight features on the packaging but the listings yeah. all do like so the product listings yeah. on target on amazon they say freight features in them and i believe that the entertainment earth ones do too so i think they're a continuation mm-hmm. of that line i was trying to think i don't think the old afterlife figures say freight features on them either uh, I have the I have two of them in package way over there. I don't think they do. <laughs> they might. They um, might. They might on know. the back. Like maybe they, they might, might say like collect all the Ghostbusters fright features figures or something. But like I don't think they do on the front. Um, but what I found different, and I want to see how you feel about this. I really liked the little pack in mini ghosts from the afterlife. Fright features like oh say. yeah yeah like the ones that actually had the fright them, feature mm-hmm. right like that was the fright feature was opposed to the figure having a fright feature like the Kenner figures did or the new Kenner classics versions of those do um they had ghosts that had some sort of feature and mm-hmm. I liked that we got ghosts that were kind of like we got a Slimer we got a bug eye ghost right um from that line there was a series of ghosts that we were familiar with and in particular like the kids came with. Slimer and Muncher, like were two ghosts that clearly came like right out of afterlife. So it was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. I'm not, I'm going to be honest and say, I don't know how I feel about the ecto stretch like feature uh, figures. Like I'm not a hundred percent sold on those. They don't stand up on their own. Well, they look amazing. Yeah. Like the sculpts are awesome. The colors are great. 
I think they look amazing in the package. And if you're buying them for kids, which is really what they're designed for. Sure. I think it's, I think they're right. great. They're for four and up. Yeah. Yeah. But for 40 plus year olds like us who want them for their collection, I think they kind of suck. Because like you said, <laughs> they don't really stand up. Then eventually they're just going to be dust magnets. So they're not going right. to hold up. And But other than that, I mean, for what they're really designed for, they're awesome. But for yeah. nerds like us, they kind of suck. They're not so great for display, <laughs> right? And like, that's the way to put it. Like, I It's really motivating I, me when I get them. I'm probably going to keep these in package or buy two sets because I have yeah. all my other Fright features. I opened all those. Well, that's what I was driving two at. sets. Was yeah. I sat down with them and I was like, okay, I'm glad I got these, right? Like, and it took me a long time to get all four because I don't know what the story was, but like as much as you can't find Ecto Collection where you are, I could find Ecto Collection all day long, but I could not find any figures here of any kind, like Kenner Classics or of the Fright Features for several weeks. And then this past week, it was just like the floodgates opened up and one of my targets had 16 of the new Fright Features figures, like two, like two full cases, oh, four wow. full sets, like just on the pegs. And I was like, that's wild. Um, but I didn't find Gary. Right. I didn't find Gruberson for weeks and I had the other three and I was like, okay, well, um, I don't want to unbox them until I have them all. Like I was kind of like my psychological thing of like, I don't want to take three out of the package and then be like, okay, I'm waiting for the fourth one to display them. And then I finally got all four of them and I just literally cleaned my office and like reorganized all my figures and I had them sitting in the box and I was like, okay, well you could take them out of the box, but like the Trevor figure is literally the Trevor figure you have out. True. Like it's just a Trevor figure with a ghost that Spangler. is not going to display. He's got a Spangler uh, on his uniform now. Is that the only difference? I think that's the only difference. Yeah, I think he actually has a name tag, and I think the the afterlife version does not. Okay. But other than maybe that, I, I think it's identical. Maybe I didn't spot that. Um, but I can't believe I didn't spot that. But okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay. So then the other three I'm putting out are like Phoebe. Gary and Callie. And I was like, I don't have room for these right now where they are. And so they're like <laughs> literally in their boxes. And I sat there and I was like, they may stay in there. Like they, they display well in that box. The pie, the packaging's beautiful. I'm a big fan of the packaging over the, uh, the carts. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like the best part about those boxes is if I decide to take them out and then I decide I want to put them away, I can. And that to me is like, I love that. Like that's one of the things I love about NECA figures is like, I can keep the box and all the pieces, all the parts have a spot in the box that they can go back into. And I don't have to worry about where I'm going to store that stuff, you know? So I think that they may reside in the boxes though for a while because I can't, I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. I'm like, well, I could put them out, but then I have to figure out where they're going to fit. And none of two Trevor's and that's kind of weird. And so I think I would have, I think this is something I'm gonna throw out there for Hasbro and I'll see what you think about it. I'm normally highly opposed to just repainting a figure. Okay. But it's what's a the challenge? Evil, though. It, it is. But what's the challenge in taking a lucky figure from that line and putting her in a black flight suit? Like that to me is a newer figure than the Trevor figure that was kind of just like repurposed. Right. It would have been like, give me the black flight mm-hmm. suit figures. Where are those? Like, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to watch a movie where there's going to be Ghostbusters in black flight suits and I have no black suit figures. So and I'm sure there's people who will do customs. I'm 100 percent positive people will buy up 
figures and paint them, you know, but I'm kind of like, that would have been to me from a Hasbro standpoint of how do we sell something economically that doesn't require new tooling. That seems like the easy one to me, you know? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But like, like I said, it's the movie's not even out yet. So they could still have some stuff like with afterlife. We didn't know, like we were all questioning, where's Phoebe? Where's Phoebe? Where's Phoebe? When they showed off the plasma <laughs> series originally. And then all of a sudden, like, what was it, like a week pack, after the movie, was out, boom, two pack. Yeah, it was like crazy. <laughs> so there's, there's still time for that. There could be more coming out. We don't know. Yeah, but no, you're not. You're I, not I like wrong what they've that. done so far. They've continued with the Fright Features line, which was one of my favorite parts from the last big yeah. unveil of stuff. So that was cool. I hope there's more. That's what I'm saying. What's your favorite Ecto collection that you're really chasing? Which one do you really want? I want the uh, isn't the Slimer with the bag of uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow. That's figure B. I, I want B. That's the B's, one I have for He's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may figure out how you're going to get that figure. Uh, I do literally have two here. cases ordered. <laughs> but I think one case is going to make its way to Australia. So Yeah, but also because you don't know if that case is a full set for all you know. True. true. You have six of F and <laughs> then like A, C, D, and D's. J. <laughs> But I mean, I have to say, I don't think that they're, I was the, that was the most, um, non distributed I've seen a, a set. Like a, I really thought when I was like picking up 13, I'm like done, it's going to be easy. <laughs> They'll be in there. I've picked up like every other figure so much easier, but now that I really need to find L, uh, for, for somebody else, it's become a challenge and I'm like, well, that sucks. So, but I'll figure it out. We'll get Jason that L he'll, he'll, he'll get his L figure and then we'll, we'll, uh, ship some things off to Canada to help out our friend. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I'm excited about the, the figures that came out. Like I now have everything. So now I'm like, what else are you going to do? Uh, cause I already collected everything <laughs> I wanted, but, uh, I did yeah. find in store actually, uh, the blaster. Yeah. And it was like the one thing that I was pre- like, uh, not too, yeah, I didn't, you know, it up. too keen on it. it was, I wasn't even really, I wouldn't really bother hunting that down specifically and i went to multiple targets and the only thing i found was that and it was only one of those and it was just randomly on an end cap like behind a whole bunch of other stuff so i actually was like oh so i saw the logo on the back of the box i was like oh finally something <laughs> and i grabbed it and i was like oh it's the blaster and i have the mod and it's okay it's cool for a kid's toy and all that but this is, this is, I was actually impressed when I actually got this thing in my hand yeah. and started with all the functions it has and the sounds it has and all the video game sound effects and ghost sound effects. And it looks like, uh, they, they did a much better job compared to the mod. Like the mod was okay, but yeah, like the body of it had the Ghostbuster logo on it and it was just a sticker. Right. This, the, the blaster, it's actually a 3d sculpted into the thing right. and it's actually painted. The logo is. So it's like. It's a weird little thing. Be like, oh, they actually put a lot of effort into the logo. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it for a few days and I didn't even know all the functions it did. And I handed it off to my, my little niece. My brother came over with his daughter and she is three. And she started playing with it and just having a blast with it. 
and she pulled the end of it out and like I didn't even know that the end like extended out and made different. I was like, holy crap. I was like, it has even more functions. So I really I'm actually really, really impressed with it. It's I will say this. It's my favorite piece of Frozen Empire merch that I've bought yet. Because nice. it's the only piece the only that I've bought. bought so far. <laughs> but it, it is really cool for what it is. Better than the mod. I've heard multiple people who bought it. Um, you know, and who've had, I, I didn't buy it. I admit I didn't buy like the, the mod blaster because I don't need ro- more role play props. I just don't, I guess I'm not having no use for them. And so like I could get them, but I would be getting them just to be like, Oh, I have this in my collection to collect dust and not do anything. In so fact, I, got I bought, <laughs> I mean, I bought the PKE meter last time around. I think I did a review of it and was like, I found it early and was like, check out what I found, told people about it. And like within a month I was like, yeah, I don't really need this. I'm going to take it back. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't like, I never took it out of the box and I don't really need this. And, it, but for what it is, like I played around with one at the target and I've talked to people who bought it and who've owned the mod and have said the same thing of like, it's a way better version of that toy. Mm-hmm. Like that it was, the mod blaster was kind of okay, but it was kind of weak. This is better. And it has a lot of the same sounds and features that the Spangler wand has, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so it doesn't necessarily have all the same features and it doesn't have like a pop mechanism and those kinds of things. It doesn't look realistic, but it has a lot of the same sounds in it and whatnot. So for a kid's toy that kind of approximates what, you know, the big kids have arguably quote unquote, <laughs> it's kind of a good thing. I think it's kind of neat. But really as far as like of all the stuff they did, I guess besides the Ecto, it was the one thing that like really, really screamed like repaint. Like yeah. Reissue of something they just, just had released for afterlife but they actually put a lot of stuff they did a lot of improvements to it there's tons more sounds and features and way more playability and it it isn't just a straight here's the same thing but black no it's it's not yeah they 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 put a lot of work into this thing and i was i was really impressed it's a significantly retooled item i question calling it retooled because i think that kind of tracing its lineage to the mod blaster kind of does it unfairly if that makes sense like <laughs> yeah yeah pretty you know, much it's like just treat it as a new thing it's a new blaster that kind of looks like any other blaster would because they're all based off the same thing you know it but, really makes me want to see what they would do if they could do a pack like yeah, the full pack for with kids it. for kids yeah wait yeah. the last thing they did with just that plastic punch out really super thin oh, yeah. was that thing was weak yeah i mean i mean it I can't even say it looked cool to even like really hang on your wall, but I mean, it was something (laughs) It was better than nothing. But it's also this, like, (laughs) I don't, this is a way to think about this. That's different about the afterlife toys and the frozen empire toys that I hadn't thought about until now. Cause you just said it is that the afterlife toy release was far more modular, right? It was like, the idea was like, you'll buy a pack, but it doesn't come with a wand. And then you can either add the mod wand or you can add the $15 budget one that kind of has a weird little piece of plastic coming off the end of it that looks like macaroni. You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> right. And then even look at like things like the uh, slime lab and the ghost gushers, right? Yeah. Like you could buy the slime lab, in which case you could buy ghost gushers to go with it, or you could just buy ghost gushers because you just wanted to collect those gusher figures and you thought those were cool or whatever. And you never even had to have a slime lab like most of us in the United States didn't because it was never released here. Right. But like that release was far more modular in the sense that you could buy some of it, but not all of it, but still had a collected all kind of mentality to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like what we have this time, 
is just standalone product that's not modular. Like you could choose to buy like Son of the Ecto Collection or not, and that's fine. But like you don't need to buy True. like, you know, like if you're gonna buy a role play toy, you're not buying a proton pack and then choosing a wand to go with it. You know, you're just you're buying a blaster and that's what's available. And so I don't know if it's good, because I think it means there's less available for us option wise, or if it's just more strategic, you know. Um I was thinking last week, I talked about this, I think a bit of the stuff that just kind of didn't sell from afterlife, like those 12 inch figures, the budget figures or like yeah. that budget Ecto or that budget wand. Like those are all the things that you could find at an Ollie's or a Ross dress for mm-hmm. less, like here on the West coast, where we don't have Ollie's. Um, there were tons of those 12 inch figures at Ross around Christmas time. And so like, I don't, I don't like seeing that stuff at clearance afterwards because it means that that stuff didn't do well. It's like that outlet liquidation sell-off means they didn't do well at marketing the line and they've got a lot of leftovers a year and a half later. Yeah. You know, but by the same token, I wonder if we, if we need a few more options than what we have. I don't know. Like, I'm a little torn. I'm happy about figures, but I want to know there's plasma series coming. I really do. I don't think, I don't know what they are. Anything with the logo on it. <laughs> no, I don't want that. That's explicitly what I don't want. I don't want I'm anything kidding. with the logo on it. Um, but it's it's cool that I mean, ten years ago, literally anything with the logo on it, we would jump all over. Oh because yeah, that's all there was. But right. now we're kind of spoiled, I guess. Yeah, now we're a like lot of a lot discriminating of cool stuff purchasers. Yeah, you can actually yeah. pick and choose. And, but I I think that it just feels like this movie is going to be really good. And I hope that we get some really cool merchandise to go with it. Yeah, I am hopeful that we will get um, another prop. Like, I think that where Hasbro has really been killing it, even though we're not getting it in terms of like, oh, it just came out. Like the HasLab is that model is doing really well for them. Right. Yeah. And it very well. I would like to see like... another collectible prop that is for adults would be OK with me. Is is there really unless it's new tech we haven't seen yet? That's what I mean. Yeah, it's going to add. That's what it would have to be. But because yeah. I think they're kind of tapped, tapped out unless they do go crazy and do something like a slime blower. They're kind of <laughs> they, tapped out as far as like they did the pack. They got the yeah. PKE. You got uh, the trap coming. I mean, besides like the goggles, which I can't see that being a HasLab in and of itself, depending on what it can really do. I think mm. it's going to, if they want to continue with a prop, I think it's going to have to be some new tech. Yeah. I kind of would like some new tech. Like that's, I don't necessarily oh, yeah, want love another set tech. of goggles. I'll admit that. I don't know that I really want, mm-hmm. I, I've heard people speculate and say that Hasbro could totally do a yeah, set they of goggles totally the same way they it. just did a, you know, a PKE meter and a trap together they could do goggles and we would buy them because we were buying all the other stuff. That's it feels like though, like they've kind of set themselves up with like a certain price point and then like kind of setting themselves up with the, the PKE and the trap being two in the box. Like the goggles feels like it needs a second thing with it, whether it be, there's not really much there. I mean, got Geiga meter, but that's really niche as far as Ghostbusters equipment goes. It's sure. Kind of seen, kind of not, but Maybe a walkie-talkie. I I don't know. It would have it would have to be new new tech. I yeah, think no, I don't tapped out. I don't disagree with you. Go. You know, I don't disagree with you. Like I think that we need to see. I think that's what we need though too. Um, this yeah. is my little mini rant, and you don't have to necessarily own this viewpoint, but like, <laughs> I think that the current challenge is that 
a lot of the media, a lot of the content that's being produced, or rather the toys that are being produced are being produced for kids and that there's not um, cartoon media to support their purchasing habits. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can look at my niece who is a huge fan of Gabby's dollhouse and wants everything that she sees in a store that has Gabby's dollhouse on it because she watches that cartoon ad nauseum. She's, you know, into it, et cetera. But for the kids who are, Oh, you know, sort of toy. I don't want to call them purchasers cause they're not, let's call them toy consumers. Cause they're not making the, the purchasing choice, right? Mom and dad are, <laughs> but they have the demand, right? So for the toy consumers who are kids, they don't have a cartoon. They don't have a Ghostbusters piece of media that is natively something like in their wheelhouse. And if best, they're being shown a 35 year old cartoon by, you know, a parent who's like, Hey, <laughs> this is the thing that was cool when I was a kid. And so I really feel like for the toy line to succeed further, like they need to create some kid media. And that's where I go. All right. If you're not going to do that yet, then you got to figure out how you talk to adult collectors a little more, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you, whether that's plasma series, whether that's props, et cetera, like how do you in the moment make sure that you're generating the revenue from the actual people who are going to go see this movie? Cause <laughs> it's not like a six year old might get taken to this movie by a person in their forties. Yeah. Right. But like, otherwise that six year old doesn't have an interaction with this movie until maybe it shows up on streaming in three to six months. Right. Mm-hmm. At which point these toys are where? Ollie's. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hopefully not. No, I don't want them to be. I'm not saying that to be like, we hope for it. Um, but I think that's what I'm hoping to see out of Hasbro. And I, again, I don't mean to put that like words in your mouth about it, but like, I just, I want us, yeah. you know, to, to sort of see how, how do you make this have some longevity to it beyond just, Hey, there's a movie out because the real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters too, if you think about them, like Ghostbusters two was as successful as it was because there was a cartoon like show that created demand for kids to want to go see that. And that's what helped to sustain the toy line. We didn't get cinematic Ghostbusters figures until I was in my twenties because <laughs> like, yeah. we didn't need them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It wasn't very kid friendly, but I mean, they did crazier things. There's, rated R movies with toy lines and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that was the eighties. Yeah. Well, I think you have to economics. Yes. I mean, I'm thinking right now, but as you say this, I'm like, ah, yes, the, uh, Coleco Rambo series of figures. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop is, um, you know, yeah, but there was Ken a Robocop animated series. There was a Rambo animated series. No, agree. But, but again, exactly. That's the point is like, there was an animated series to sustain those toys. Yeah. You know, and so I kind of feel like I, if I they're going to continue, yeah. oh, I, I think we're going to get animated stuff. But I think if you're going to, I think this is just something to consider. Like, if you're going to have a master toy license model, right? Like, you've got to have enough media that's sustaining that master toy license in the mm-hmm. moment. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I think it causes a company to look at the master toy license as like um, a one-off. You know, yeah. as opposed to something. Whereas, like when we were kids, there were Ghostbusters toys for years that were all related to each other in different waves and series, and we weren't sitting there going like, "Hey, will they or won't they produce this again?" Or do you think the thing they did last time is going to be something kind of like what they do this time? You know, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more from Hasbro in the coming weeks about other stuff that's going to come out. But until then, I'm still a little like, I'm happy what we have. What we have, but 
I, I kind of want some plasma series figures. <laughs> just saying it. I mean, just, you just showed Janine in a flight suit. Yeah, look, need I, that figure. <laughs> look, beyond needing that figure because you just showed it to me, Mattel, one of their biggest failings of all time, is they never made a Janine. So, like, no, they didn't. No, the only Janine that exists that's even close to the scale is a Diamond Select Janine that's like seven inches tall. There is no five and like you know five and a half or six inch tall cinematic Janine figure whatsoever. It doesn't exist, right? And like. I would buy that in two seconds. It wouldn't even be a question. Yet. Before I bought a Cali figure, I'd buy that. <laughs> I'd just be like, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what Cali does in this upcoming movie. That's not to put down on Cali at all. But like, if you ask me which of those two figures do I have more of an emotional connection with and need represented in my collection as an adult collector who's going to see this movie in his 40s, yeah, I need a Janine figure. Like, I, yeah. I absolutely need a Janine figure, you know? What I don't need is a Winston in a suit figure. Don't need that. You know, don't don't give me Winston in a, in a like it's corporate executive Winston. Don't need that. Don't don't. Need do that. you need a Dan Aykroyd in a denim jacket figure? No, I don't. I also don't need that. I don't, and I also don't need Dan Aykroyd in a flight suit that's half unzipped with just a little bit of repossessed <laughs> showing from underneath. You don't want to quit in time, um, Ray? No, quit I don't. in time. I, I don't need another Ray. I have a Ray. I have a Ray. Before you give me another one of Ray, give me something different. You know, but I also think like plasma series, I've said this in the last few weeks, one of the key things I feel like they could be doing differently with that line as opposed to six figures and one build a figure ghost. Give me six figures and give me mini ghosts that go not to like, you know, step in your wheelhouse and be like, hey, let's mess up your companion ghosts. But (laughs) the more more ghosts, there's just so much that it'd be hard to, I mean, if multiple toy companies are making Ghostbusters stuff, there's so much that they could make. It'd be really be stepping on each other's toes there's a lot well, of room there's a lot of that is my view there's a lot of untapped potential my viewpoint and i'm again i'm not putting words in your mouth you have your own views on toys and your own business but like i think the answer is to stop doing master toy license like i think that the you look at teenage mutant ninja turtles and you see how much is like sort of pulled out of that ip across how many different manufacturers who are producing not just one-off figures but full lines, right? Mm -hmm. Like look at NECA's got a line. Playmates has a line, right? Like there's so many different lines of those NECA figures, or rather of those Nickelodeon. There's so many different lines of those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures, whether they're NECA, whether they're Playmates, whatever they are, that Nickelodeon is approving, et cetera, that like, it doesn't make sense to me at this point to continue being in the wheelhouse where you only have one master toy license for an IP like Ghostbusters. Like there's so many opportunities there to get different kinds of figures. Like what if it was licensed out like Super 7 was doing three and three quarter inch figures, right? Like, and then at the same time you could have highly detailed figures that NECA was doing. And then you could have Hasbro doing like a Fright Features-y style thing. Or like, remember Bandai did those like Stranger Things, yeah. like Fright the Features-y crossovers. kind of knockoff figures, yeah. right? Oh, those ones. Yeah, those were actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, they were neat. They were like strange. I called them Stranger Things Fright Features because they were kind of like the same scale as the Fright Features. Yeah, you got them right there. Yeah, right? one like, right here. <laughs> yeah. So like they were awesome, but they came because like when you look at Stranger Things, that's a franchise that like there isn't one master toy license for Stranger Things. There is a whole bunch of different companies that are getting access to the IP and receiving a license 
to produce something that's different from one another. Even if they're making action figures, the kinds of action figures they're making are different, right? So it's yeah. like there was who made the um the Ghostbuster um was it McFarlane who did those the Ghostbuster Stranger the Things pack? figures? Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was McFarlane. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they were like super realistic looking, right? But at the same time, like you have other kinds of figures being produced that are more toyetic, right? And Stranger Things is a property that doesn't even talk that much to little kids, right? But yet somebody figured out they could produce a couple different toyetic items as one-offs and collectors would buy them because they like the different style of figures. So I don't know, like I, again, I don't mean to put this and be like, Tony thinks this because it's a thing I'm starting to very strongly (laughs) think, but I, I mean it. Like I think Mattel, if I had to ask, and this is not to slag on Hasbro, I enjoy what we're getting. If you had to ask me in terms of action figures, in terms of props, Hasbro wins hands down. Like they are cleaning house and doing better than Mattel did. But in terms of action figures and who did a better job with the master toy line, I'm probably still leaning towards Mattel because I'm like, you produced more each yeah, year. Yeah, as of right now, yeah. I would yeah. have to agree. And in that case, they didn't have a movie. Like that's the craziest thing to think about with Mattel is like when they started that in 2009, they were marketing a 25th anniversary and a video game, mm-hmm. right? That was I the content they to promised that. a movie on the horizon. I yes. think that's why they kept the movie up through the 2016 answer, the call sure. and did those figures. And that's why they that had the master the toy license. Deal. Like mm-hmm. it was part of their license agreement. I think for them to have exclusive rights to a forthcoming movie. But I just mean like before we ever, and, and to be fair, when the movie came out, those figures did very poorly, right? Yeah, like if did. you went to the Mattel outlet <laughs> store in El Segundo, Last year, two years ago, even you could find yourself some, um, you know, um, some Holtzman's Melissa McCarthy figures just kind of <laughs> chilling on the pegs, like because they were still there. But before the movie was coming out, there was four Ghostbusters figures, right? You get the guys, you get a, a subscription service you want people to be on board for from month to month to month. Yeah. And you had figures that were coming out that were exclusives. You had figures that were like different moments throughout the movies. And each of them was coming with something different that even if you were like, Oh, it's another Peter Venkman. You're like, well, it's a but- Peter Venkman, but it comes with a Scolari brother. <laughs> so that's cool. And it's like from a specific moment in the movie where as what Hasbro seems to be doing more is like, okay, what's in this movie? What can we reference? What's a likeness that we can create? Great. Moving on. And like that to me is what you can't do if you have a master toy license. You can't sustain customer base that way. The only way it works with Star Wars is because there's so much fucking Star Wars. <laughs> like that's me saying that very frustratingly. But the only reason that anybody gets to do that with the Star Wars toy line is because we will keep producing Star Wars media until the planet implodes at this point. Like it, we will make more and more and more Star Wars until no one cares because. That's what we're doing with it. But we don't get Ghostbusters ongoing in the same way. We don't get Indiana Jones ongoing the same way, you know? So if it doesn't be, if it doesn't become something that a master toy license doesn't figure out how to stretch and develop, Hey, we're putting these out six (laughs) figures. That's all you're getting. Um, all right. So I just foisted, I foisted you into my little rant about Hasbro. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) It's all right. I just, it, like I said, it just kind of sucks. Timing wise yeah. for the, the company with the master toy license to be going through the things that they're going through 
plus with the market toy market in general kind of coming off of the the pandemic and settling back down to normalcy and yeah and the timing of a new really good ghostbusters movie that we all love and yeah it just sucks so maybe we won't see as much as we want to but i'm hopeful you know yes very hopeful there's there's so many things that that need done Hasbro, it's only January. I I mean, they got only two months to make changes to the movie, but you got the whole year, Hasbro. It's only January. Come on, you get in there. And it's the 40th anniversary, too. We need to be saying some some really cool stuff. Yeah, then that's for real. Like, I'm not trying to be like, I I really hope I don't sound like super negative because I realize like I'm like, Hasbro is bad. But like, (laughs) they're not like I just want to see more stuff. And that's part of what I'm getting at is like, it's a 40th anniversary. This is all out of love. It's all out of passion is what it is. We want to see more stuff. We want more stuff. We're, we've been dying for it for 30 years, and now is the time where it's, it seems so possible. And so some stuff has been done, and we've seen it can be done. So at that, that's where this is all stemming from. We know it can be done. We know we, there's a market for it, and people want it. Give the people what they want. There's only one thing that can't be done. And that one thing is a 112 Ecto-1. <laughs> I don't know why it can't be done, but it can't be done, apparently, because nobody can get together and do it. But, you know, it's not like I wouldn't buy it two. It is crazy that it's never actually been done. Never been done. Never been done. Except in popcorn bucket format. If you like an afterlife <laughs> popcorn bucket format, then, then it's fine, because you can put your Maddie Collector figures right next to that Ecto-1, and they scale perfectly. And I'm not, I'm not going to be this. This is how sad and pathetic I am in needing my 112 Ecto-1. The lid, of course, for the popcorn bucket comes open so you can put the popcorn in it. I have figures in there seated in the front seat. <laughs> they can't you see You can't out. even really see them. They, <laughs> like, you can't see through the windows. The windshield is solid. But when you open the, you know, when you open the lid, I have, I have Venkman and Egon chilling in the front seat for no good reason. <laughs> just because I'm like, they're in there. I know they're in there and they can drive. Um, but that's also because they made slimed version of those figures. And I was like, where am I going to put these? Because <laughs> otherwise I have too many of the same figures next to each other. So they went inside the car. But and that car's job right now is it's my Maddie accessory holder. Like nice. where I put all that's my perfect. extra parts for all my it goes right in there. So they are on the shelf right in front of the popcorn bucket. And the popcorn bucket does the important job of holding on to all the accessories so that they don't get lost. So perfect. Yeah, see, it's it's like almost as if somebody who makes popcorn buckets designed something for toy collectors. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, anything else, Tony, that you want to sort of let people know on the podcast this week or any uh, shout outs or teases you want to help people to sort of go be aware of? Uh, nothing really in particular. I mean, always we're always throwing ideas around and showing stuff off. So keep an eye on Phantasm Toys. Yeah, everybody should obviously be following Phantasm Toys on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, on X, although you don't post there very much. I think you're on there somewhere. <laughs> we uh, might but be they should there, definitely follow know. you on Instagram because it's where you're on the most. <laughs> but yeah, but we have tons of ideas and we are unlicensed. We are not official. We are fan fan made and fan driven. So, yeah, the stuff we do, we're we're doing it out of love. and. And out of and out of selfishly things that I want. So in turn, yeah. things that I want, I'm, I will make a bunch of for other people too. <laughs> That's like when you ask Tom why he does the containment unit, and you ask Matt, and you're like, "Why did you?" Because like, I wanted autographs, and I had to figure See? out which ones I needed. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> but you're the uh, most motivated and you're the most, uh, at least I am. If I have to have a little bit of something of myself in the project I'm doing for me to be able to invest the time yeah. and the, and the motivation and everything it takes to do it. So if you got a little bit of it, you have to be a little bit selfish in your art and and it shows that the well, passion will come out and, and that's what this really is. I mean, started just making little minifigures. It was my favorite thing of the, the old Kenner line. And I thought it'd be fun to, fun to see that continue. And it's blown up into something bigger than I ever thought it would be. And hopefully we can do some really cool stuff in the future. I'm hoping so too. And generally everything you do is very cool. So uh, I'm always excited to, to get it, (laughs) to see it, to talk about it, to share it with other folks, uh, to do little videos on it because it's kind of just some of the greatest stuff. And I'm always, I'm continue to be impressed and amazed by everything that you and Brendan do uh, as two people who are on completely opposite sides of the world, who don't get to see each other face to face and who started doing this because you were like, Hey, you know, it'd be fun little mini figures. Let's do that. Um, and now it is what everything that it is. And, uh, everybody I talk to who ends up with your stuff is like, have you seen phantasms of this? And I'm like, yes, cause they do amazing work. And those are my friends. <laughs> so, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. I always have a blast talking with you. Everybody should go out to phantasmtoys.com. Check out what is available over there. Remember you've got just a couple days left to grab your Viggy figures. After that, the season of evil will close. Um, mm-hmm. and you, you know, will you may be sad. Um, you will not be mother or father to the ruler of the world if you don't get that figure. So you want you free get, parking, you, um, yeah, then you, you need to buy your that. perks. You won't get your perks. <laughs> There's no actual free parking included anybody. Uh, if you, if you buy <laughs> this figure and then you write to Tony and go, I'm still getting parking tickets. Um, that's your own fault. <laughs> and free parking in my driveway. <laughs> There you go. No, don't say that. Some people may show up at your house. Be like, where do you live? You said I could leave my RV here for the next six months because I bought your figure. <laughs> well, thank you as usual for coming on, Tony. And we hope to talk to you again soon. And uh, yeah, good luck with the uh, the rest of the Viggy rollout. Well, thanks, Jim. And uh, hell yeah, I'll always come on here every time you invite me. It's always fun. I'm just a huge fan of of the podcast in general and appreciate everything you do for for the fans and spreading the good word and keep it up. I'm always excited every Wednesday when the yes. podcast drops. It's a little different now. It's a new year and a new day. I've gotten used to it though. I like, I like the Wednesday drop. It's fun. Nothing, it's nothing comes out on Wednesdays. So it's good to have something <laughs> at nothing but extraplasm now. So Wednesdays are extraplasm days. And look, I need slogans. <laughs> I'm your haunting hump day experience. I don't know. Like, just... I thought too the much about this for a while. Extraplasm podcast. That's that's uh the next minifigure that's coming out. It just only shows up on Wednesdays. Jeez, how do you (laughs) how do you put that in figure form? Hump day. I don't know. It (laughs) sounds really could could go really wrong. It might involve some sort of weird phallic looking thing in a ghost. It might pop out of a trap. Yeah, yeah, we've already done that. we've, (laughs) We've beaten that horse to death. All right, Tony. Thanks again. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jim. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you once again to Tony for hopping on the podcast and uh, participating in a fun conversation and kind of digging into Frozen Empire's reveals. 
And remember, if you want to pick up anything from Phantasm Toys, especially those uh, Viggy figures that are going to be unavailable after you get through Friday, head on over to PhantasmToys.com. And remember, that also doesn't just support Tony, but it also supports our good friend Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who I thank every week for providing our logo, our visual identity, and essentially uh, kind of giving the ability for JD to go out and make pins and stickers, because if there wasn't a logo first, then hey, how would JD Raymer have done that? And of course, I want to say thank you to uh, Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song each week. And of course, I need to thank you. Uh, we are just now reaching less than 60 days away from this movie. I can't wait to uh, see this thing, be able to talk about it with each other, to be able to know what went on with it, and to move from the moment where we all talk in anticipation about what's going to happen to being able to appreciate the film and talk about it with each other. If you have anything that you want to share with the podcast, whether it's your anticipation or whether it's your appreciation after we get through it, you can, of course, reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram and on uh, X. You can reach me at Extraplasm Podcast on Facebook and on YouTube, as well as extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com if you're more into email. Uh, be in touch if you've got anything to share with the podcast. It's the beginning of the year. If you're out there in a Ghostbusters franchise or a group that's doing charity work and you want to start to be able to talk about it, now is the time to let me know so we can figure out how to get you on the agenda to, uh, you know, get that promoted in a time that's going to make sense for you. So if you're out there, if you're listening, you got something to share, I'm ready to believe you do, be in contact via one of those ways. And of course, uh, as we wrap up January, we hop into February and we get ramped up even more for this forthcoming movie. Don't forget uh, what Ernie Hudson tells us every single week. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>